0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester and welcome to Wait, What? Comics and Pop Culture Podcast coming to you from the Not-So-Solitary Fortress. That is WaitWhatPodcast.com. This is episode 288, for those of you keeping track, and Graham McMillan and I are back to talk about the first season of DC Unscripted over on the DC Universe streaming service, Animal World, a movie adaptation of Gambling Apocalypse Keiji over on the Netflix streaming service, the Marvel Hero Project on the Disney Plus streaming service, and even a few comic book type things you apparently do not need a streaming service to enjoy, such as Justice League Comics from the 80s and 90s, Invitation from a Crab by Pampagna, the current Fantastic Four run written by Dan Slott, and much, much more in this two-and-a-half-hour episode. Comments on this episode are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. Send us your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy and thank you for listening.
1: Jeff Lester!
0: Graham McMillan, how are ya? Today, Jeff,
1: has been a whole day. It's been a whole thing. I bet it has, Graham. Let me just tell you. I whatnots, Jeff, I emailed Jeff around like two o'clock and I was like, hey, 7 o'clock, we're on, right? We're gonna we're gonna record. And Jeff wrote back and was like, yeah, of course we are. What Jeff didn't know is I didn't see that response until maybe 10 minutes ago. <laughs> what? Do you want to know why? Why? As Jeff knows and as whatnots uh, who've, who've listened to certain episodes know, I, I, uh, there's now a seven-year-old in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, like Chloe, Clay is a seven-year-old. Um, Gavin, the seven-year-old, uh, was fine this morning. And then around lunch was like, ah, oh, my stomach really hurts. Oh, and then, like, by, like, an hour later, was like, I can't stand up because it hurts so much. Oh, oh God, no. And, like, maybe about half an hour after that, was actually in tears because he tried to walk to the bathroom and was in such pain. Oh, God. Right? That's not good. Yeah. We're like, you know, it's probably... <laughs> it's probably trap gas it's what we all thought to be perfectly honest because we so, did like lots of like what side is it it's, it's appendix no it's not it's appendix blah 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 like you know right it's probably trap gas we thought so we're like you know why don't you just go and lie down for a bit and we'll check in on you and so he lies down and we're checking in on him maybe 20 minutes later and he's like i want to see a doctor <laughs> and kids just don't say that Right. right yeah 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 and we're like you know, are you sure? Is this like a, you know, I pretend wanting to see a doctor, or is this I really want to see And he's like, I really, like, and he's tearing up. I really want to see a doctor. Yeah. And then, because he's seven, he's like, I don't know what this is, but I'm not going to get better. I think I'm going to die. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which obviously
1: Aww. he's not going to But like, when he's saying that, you're like, okay, we'll, we'll, we're going to take you to the emergency room. Right. Jeff, we literally just got back from the merch room less than an hour ago.
0: Holy shit, Graham. Oh Christ.
1: To, uh, the the short version, it basically is trap gas. <laughs> <laughs> like um he is he's he's um compacted bowel basically. Mm-hmm. Um so so he's not passing stool and he, he like we saw the X ray. Mm-hmm. He really is like Poor compacted little guy. Yeah. Uh... Like but also then there is all this gas on top of that. Mm-hmm. Mm. right so like like it's horrible it's mm. the point where you know the the doctor's like yeah that's really bad like that's not good on the other hand it's also good because basically you can give him a laxative and he'll like right he'll heal us and it'll be better mm. but the doctor was Yeah, he's really he's really not good but yeah we were in the emergency room until less than an hour ago mm. um he had like blood work. And he's never had blood work before. He, it was a day of firsts for him. He got to be in a wheelchair for the first time. He got to put on scrubs for the first time. He got his first blood work. He got oh, his first u. F- and he got his first X-ray. Oh
0: man! Ah, uh, poor guy. Ah, oh, jeez.
1: Poor, poor little guy. So uh, I should tell you. And the whatnots right now that um, Chloe did say that if there's one message I'm to pass on, it's that
0: everyone should have more fiber in their diet. Totally, <laughs> very important, an important so, yes, opening yes, our, message for us. that's,
1: yes, that's your that's your weight takeaway for this
0: episode. Wow! Eat vegetables lately? There you go. That's yeah. what it is. Yikes! Oh man! Oh man! Well, uh, I assume since you answered the phone as opposed to um, you know uh, texted me or emailed me separately, you're okay with doing the podcast. I mean, that seems yeah. kind well, of
1: that's like that's just it. Like he's fine. I mean, he's mm-hmm. not, but he. Is. Do you right. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Ultimately, it is a uh, you know, no pun intended. This will pass pretty quickly. Right thing. Um. So yeah, I'm I've, yeah, I've to, I'm i I'm a little scattered. Okay. I'm a little frantic, as you might expect.
0: Yes, but otherwise, fine. Wow! Wow! Oh, jeez! All right. Well, hmm. I feel like that means that we should start off with something light, but the the no,
1: but I feel like I feel like you're not
0: going to do anything light. What are you going to start off with? Well, see, this is it. The thing that was technically light for me was the thing that was it. Basically, it is me accusing you of trying to murder me? Basically, so, oh God! What? Oh, what have I tried to try and murder you? As if you didn't know. What not? This person, who I considered a friend for many years. Oh come on! No, for real. What have I done? I honestly have no idea what you're talking about. You made me watch DC unscripted, all <laughs> of it. <laughs> And that, <laughs> sir, is a tantamount. Okay. I, I, I
1: didn't put myself on mute enough there, but I had to put myself on mute for a lot of that because I was laughing so hard I couldn't read.
0: <laughs> oh my God, Graham! That thing flipped me the fuck it's, out. It's
1: it's it's a thing, isn't it? Oh, I mean, oh, it's but I. I Okay. Okay. First off, hey, I, yes. hey, I, I, I literally forgot. I, I, I told you to do that. Yeah. I genuinely have <laughs> done that. Um, secondly, you say that, but Jeff, it's what? It's like half an hour at most. No, no, it's a bit longer. Yeah, is there's, it an hour?
0: There's the two finale Cause... episodes, which are close to 30 minutes, which are the 10 contestants, you know, pitching and the winner's think. picked. Talk to Dan and talking to the other people. Yeah. Right. Then there are five separate like two minute three minute things you're like you're you're ahead of me i didn't watch this the it doesn't matter graham that one hour finale was enough to kill me was enough to genuinely kill me
1: it's 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 it is kind of amazing right
0: oh god
1: in all seriousness it's it's
0: amazing uh yeah yeah, I oh, I don't even know where to start, man. I got to tell you, I was just there being like, apparently I'm a terrible person. Now, as you know, I don't watch a lot of reality TV and, you know, to, to each their own. But one of the things that I just, for whatever reason, the various contestants, I'm not sure there was one of them that didn't do something. Maybe there was one, maybe two people tops. Who just didn't make me like I I had at least one full body cringe, I think per person and then maybe uh, yes one. I, I
1: think that I think that's perfectly um allowed yeah um, I as someone who does watch a lot more reality television, I've got to tell you one of the things I appreciated is not the right word because it suggests it's a good thing and it's not. <laughs> But uh-huh. one of the things I, I let's go with noticed right um, was that DCU unscripted in format and in structure follows a reality show. Yes, but in quality and and like you're saying in contestants, yeah it's like a weird parody of a reality it show. really is like kind of... it, it's so weird it's yeah. like a skit it yes. really is like yeah. a skit
0: yeah 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 yeah. and like, winners as mm-hmm. well right Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: like you don't think they're like they're. It, it's i there was one there was honestly one pitch where i was like okay that feels like a, a reasonable show
0: mm-hmm. and it wasn't one of the winners what, was not one of the winners Oh, 30 for 30 for comic creators one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that the 30 for 30 one seemed decent. No, I thought so too. I mean, I just, ah. Uh, okay, so there's a couple of things that, that I found weird. And I got to tell you, Graham, you may, part of my, like, convinced you were trying to kill me this comes from if you watch the run-ups to the finale, which are, no, again. No, see,
1: see, I didn't. Again, I, know. I just
0: dropped. Right. Alley. so those are only like five minutes and they are so vague and it's amazing because it really how do i put it it's um well so uh so dc unscripted the whole thing uh, particularly but the the build-up to that like you said, it's a reality show parody, but what it what it really is, is like, you know how infomercials have to um, disguise themselves as other sorts of shows now, kind of?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yes, yes.
0: So it's like an infomercial disguised as a reality show, which to me is, you know, like a terrifying hybrid. But the early parts, which were these candidates, you know, kind of talking about talking incredibly vaguely about their pitches because they wanted to save that for the DCU finale when the pitches were... Yeah. So was them all just talking buzzwords and usually talking buzzwords about the DC Universe and why something that they had was so good, such a good idea for the DC Universe? But because they couldn't tell you any of the idea or they were cropping it, it was just all context-free buzzwords. And... I, I – I, I, so there's a point in the final finale where I actually had to take screenshots because the woman who announced the second pri- – the person – the woman who was neither um, Jim Lee or Dan DiDio, her pick um, – I, and I don't know if each person picked them or they just announced them because there were three shows. Yeah, I think so them. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although, although – We'll get to that. Um, but she literally talks about one of their picks being like a great idea for a show because, and she said, it because it has it all. Tremendous fan interactivity, 360 activations, and totally hitting the... And then she says something like slide lines, which I thought was guidelines, and I'm happy to say the DCU... Um, subtitles subtitles just gave up on it was just mumbles
1: <laughs> was it not sight lines because i i i do remember it seeming i do remember i genuinely remember being like i'm not sure that means what it what i think it means right right or it doesn't mean what you think it means like I, yeah my understanding of that word in your but again if i misheard the word that means no, no
0: no 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 so so sight lines now and what do you what did you interpret that as meaning well, sidelines for me is like when you can see something. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But,
1: but that's what I'm saying. Like I it, it made no con it made no sense to me in that context.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. No, I thought totally hitting the slide lines. I swear to God, I was like, Oh, the zeitgeist? No. It sounds like she's saying slide lines. So I instantly, instantly, I ended up combing through the rules to figure out if there was something because because I, I do think that this my theory is there were several different presentation mentions of people's decks, you know, and there were a few points where people were clearly presenting their um, PowerPoint. Yes, which, yes, as you yes. She knows called the deck. So I wondered if she was literally talking about the slide lines, like the the lines that the that as a, as the winner a, had. I, put. As
1: a, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true.
0: Like you literally said what it says in your slide. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So which I was like, okay, a who could win based on that, and b how weird. Now, one did, of the. Did you, but yeah. here is the thing: Did you also look up
1: who this woman was? Because they're like, it's Dan Tio, it's Jim Lee, and it's, uh, hang on, I actually just looked her up. Diana Mo- Mogolon. Yeah, right. And they're senior vice president, and general manager of Stage 13, and they never gave any context for it.
0: Right. right so did right. you end up
1: looking up who she was? No,
0: who is she? Because I ended up looking so, up Ideas United. So Stage 13 is Warner Brothers Digital's
1: original content studio. Mmm. So it's the people that just make things for the internet. Right. Right. Um, and so, and so in that sense, it makes a lot of sense she was there. Yeah, oh, yeah. But I wish right. they'd
0: said that in the show. <laughs> well, it was great because I got to tell you, like, as someone who helps put – who clearly she's the woman who – puts together DC's digital content, oversees that. Yes. She, which yes, means she's... the who will be making these shows. Not, not only making these shows, but made this show about, you know, the competition yeah. to make these shows. So part of me is like, I thought that that was super savvy that she manages to put herself on the board of judges because all these people are walking around being like, yes, I mean, here we are. It's just such an honor to be pitching to the most important you know, creatives at DC. I'm like, oh, yeah. Well played. Uh, random you know, person. Random person. Yeah, Dolores Margliano. What's her name again? Like, they... Uh, it's, it's Diana Mogulon. Dolores Diana Mar- <laughs> I just... I'm sorry. I was... There, the one way I noticed her name was there was a point where the DC Daily woman clearly had to, like, re-record her name. Like, it was kind of off camera. But it was... It was like, yes, so we're meeting here with Diana Merciliano, Jim Lee, and Dan DeDio, And I was like, yeah, nice, nice. Got to get that boss's name right, no matter how many takes it takes. So, uh, uh, Graham, there were so many things that just horrified me. And I have to say, not least of which was, I thought most of our ideas were better. The winning ideas, there were three winning ideas. And I thought it was smart the way that each one sort of represented different facets of what dc uh universe wants to do like mm-hmm. the there was the comic book show roundup or whatever it was called that's going to be going to comic book shops and talking yeah about, they're, they're yeah uh,
1: what, but coming but talking about like comic book shops
0: yes yeah comic right? book shops like, and it being retailers.
1: like you know mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna go to comic shops and say you know why are you why are you worth why do you exist why are you good yeah um, but see, here's the thing, what I got away from that, and I know I'm not, I know this is what, not what I should take is it's just going to end up with lots of videos that are like the Eisner videos for the comic stores that want to win the award. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Cause all of them have to, all of those stores have to do a video presentation for why they deserve to win the Eisner for best comic store. Mm, and mm. Yeah, it's going to make that show.
0: Right. Right. Well, I mean, we'll we'll see. Reality TV thing. They even had, like, the little picture of the van, so it's... You know, who knows who they're going to pick for their, their hosts or whatever, but it's going to be them in some branded DC U- Universe van rolling yeah. into various big towns or small towns. And one of the things that I love is, as you know, the the winner, the person who pitched that was from Portland, Oregon, and she had a great little- Was, was, was,
1: from, was from Tigard, Oregon, to be perfectly
0: honest. Oh, she kept saying Portland. Tell me more.
1: That's yeah, because, well, Tigard is like right next door to Portland, but officially she's from Tigard.
0: Tigard. TIGARD? Yeah, okay. I it's I it's that's news. I to say me.
1: that cuz I literally looked up the official press release for the winners like before we uh like when we were talking about it. I was so about she's, to say. she's
0: officially she's
1: officially from Tiger
0: Door. Tiger So she's from Tiger Dorian. She makes a speech about uh how the and she stresses a few times in her presentation the idea of the comic book stores as a safe space um for her and as a welcoming inclusive space because she had gone you know she'd realized she was queer and was her main form of social involvement was her church group at that point which was not a safe space for her to come out and 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 come to terms with who she was uh but the comic book store was and on the one hand a how awesome is that b there is part of me that you know We're – Graham, we're all experienced comic shop veterans here. We all like joking about the shops that are the horrific man caves that have almost no ability to tolerate anything. Like, not – Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean,
1: like, bless her for for her experience. But, you know, (laughs) outside of Portland – (laughs) <laughs> How many comic stores will really provide that same
0: space? Well, you know she was in all seriousness. Yeah, she she was pretty smart and knowledgeable in the sense that, like for example, she mentioned uh, Quimby's in Chicago, uh, okay. and she mentioned someone else. I don't remember if it's a Chicago shop as well, but she, you know, I I would argue that first a six to ten episode miniseries you can just about ring out ten supportive inclusive comic book shop spaces because there's sure about 10 so you, major you, yeah, cities you, you, right yeah you, you know you definitely like if you and i sat down now to make a list we week yeah 10. absolutely absolutely so in a way i'm not worried i a think that it's great how much it's sort of um you know it's counter programming the narrative but i also had this thing of like oh man it would be you know that's how you know it's even though it's unscripted tv you're not going to show the episode where they end up rolling into you know batman's basement and end up getting like 20 sided dice thrown by them by you know angry magic the gathering munchkins who are upset that she uh, accidentally stated her preference for the wrong green lantern you know it's like i'm like oh but wouldn't that be amazing like that's the thing i don't wish any of these people ill and i think this is my problem with reality tv i can't wish anyone ill because they're quote unquote real people you know what i mean exactly so it makes it all the more like there was that guy oh that fucking guy okay graham quick who do you think (laughs) i'm referring to I
1: genuinely don't he know. He was a contestant. But I, no, I yeah, I, I figured he was a contestant, but I was like, I feel like I may be slightly less forgiving than you. So when you're like that guy. You're like, who?
0: there were so many of them. The, Maybe. The musical theater guy who pitched the Gadget <laughs> Gauntlet. Who was talking like this. And through his whole presentation, you know, it's like, heroes throughout history as they are known. I'm like, ah, stop, guy, turn off the ham. And, of course, part of what everyone seemed excited by was how hammy he was. Because if you think about He's it. He's
1: a personality, Jeff, oh, quote, unquote.
0: Well, see, that's it. With his little, like, not only does he look like a guy who would be dealing speedy heroin in a Neil Adams' comic, but he was also just relentlessly the most chipper, upbeat, like, always-on but kind of in a way that doesn't even seem to realize that he's always on, sort of. You know, like it was just like, yes, the Gadget Gauntlet. And as he goes through and excitedly reads his pitch, which I thought I thought was a perfectly decent pitch until I realized, because for those who didn't have the misery of, of watching this, the Gadget Gauntlet is a show that he was pitching where essentially you get two hosts – the the fun one and then the brainy one and they more or less break down like the history of a DC gadget both in terms of within the comic book history itself
1: yeah like, like how how it how it works in the comics and how how it
0: how it would in work reality. in reality and he's yeah, yeah. pitched even kind of a you know sort of mythbustery type like people would design it and test it and see how well it works and it was great so he started off with he's like with the batarang and and i gotta tell you it's a great it's a pretty good like you can totally see that episode in your brain but i have to say you know i was also like what what would you do for the second episode you know what i mean like i was like you can't have it be Green Lantern's ring. You can't you can't have no, it be Doctor Fate's gadgets. helmet. No, that's it. Dude, this is the problem. There's not. There's like you've got episode, no, but there is. you've got you should, episode you 1 The Batarang. You've got episode 2 Green Arrow's boxing glove arrow. You've got episode 3 <laughs> Robin's bow staff. You've got episode 4 question mark question mark question mark. You've got Captain Cold's Cold gun okay, right, as that has right. existed then, in history, which is to say never, and why? Because it doesn't work. No, but we
1: live in a world where, like, I can't believe I'm defending this fucking thing, <laughs> I, I like, but we live in a world where, you know, um, what's the difference from Mythbusters? Adam Savage, I think? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, like, quote-unquote, built an Iron Man suit. Sure, sure. You know? Like, yeah. that's that's where the show goes. Right. It doesn't go Look, you know, there's a proud history to Captain Cold's Cold Gun in the real world. It goes, how would you make a Cold Gun in this world? How would you make you know,
0: uh, I'm trying to think of... I know, just love the idea that that bucket. guy's going to be, like, have a garden hose with, like, a squirter attachment and, like, an ice cube maker. Like, come on. I mean, you but know.
1: Literally, like, a literally, is he going yeah. to have, like, a squirt gun? Yes! He's going to put, uh, you know, a piece of, uh, of uh, dry ice or something? Yeah, exactly! Like, right, exactly what he's going to do! That, that's just it. Like, that's probably the sort of shit that they'd end up doing.
2: Yeah, yeah. That Like,
1: I, I see that as a series. I no. can see it beginning... Very old, very quickly, Well see that's what I'm
0: saying. It's one episode. uh, The bad rushing. No, there's
1: there's two because there's Captain Boomerang after that.
0: (laughs) There is. There is (laughs) Captain You're right. Captain Boomerang, and maybe if you're desperate by episode three, you're like Mirror Master. Mirrors. An amazing invention. No, but But can they be
1: weaponized? What but you can't see the show of like, you know everyone's familiar with you know, fucking what? Like actually, um heat waves uh flamethrower. See there you see. go. There there is another one. But um no but you know, like, everyone's familiar with Captain Coles, but could you actually make a cold gun? We put our top minds to work. And you know, twenty five minutes in they're like, No. <laughs>
0: see that's pretty much it
1: exactly like but you can imagine like i can imagine that show existing i Uh,
0: can't no see i thought so but no 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 no.
1: (laughs) i have a great um uh, epilogue to this when we're done by the way you have to remind me that okay i I, I opened an epilogue to this
0: so uh well anyway so that guy like graham i swear to i don't know if you've ever done this but have you ever done a thing where you like scared your dog or traumatized your dog or cat or accidentally stepped on their tail screaming. And, and they <laughs> they basically flee from you and they stare at you from across the room like was that, that you? you that was at some point the dc uh, the dc unscripted finale i literally was standing as far away from the tv as possible and cringing so, in so order, I have to ask, which i haven't done since i was eight the whole thing what's that did you actually make it through the whole thing? I did. I did. I don't That's, know how.
2: I'm really
1: impressed with you, Jeff. You, uh, you know? I am. Genuinely am. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to wrap this up relatively quickly because I I, I fear – because we've already basically done 20 minutes on this. Oh,
0: um, we can keep going, Graham. I, we can no, keep going.
1: I want to ask, ask for real. The Okay, the three winners are the comic store one. Right. The, um, the so Cosplayer Craft one, which yes. honestly feels like it's been on 72 times before. Oh, my like God. I, it, yep. it seemed – so generic and yes. just I like I, I uh, uh, and then there was the absolutely surreal like Batman's Hench people contest oh what? the the escape from Arkham uh, yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: right um, w- could you see yourself watching any of them first of all and secondly did you like the ones that won because like I said my favorite was the one where they're like we'll profile comic creators because that just made sense to me right Right, you know, right, uh, and it you know it, it didn't get picked um <laughs> but i could but I could see myself like I'll definitely tune into the the comic store one at least once, mm-hmm. I suspect it's gonna be terrible, right. but uh, like I'll definitely tune in uh the the escape from Arkham one could be. Good be fun. I really strongly suspect it you would be. You can tell. You
0: can tell. You can tell <laughs> that be exactly what they were going for. And I shit you not, because Dan Didio was the one who seemed the most excited by it. Not only but did like, he announce it, as the winner. Like
1: a, if they end up doing like a crystal maze from it, sure. But I don't think they will. Like, I think it'll be not goods well but like the, the crafting one
0: yeah the cosplay clash the other thing that i want to say touch on briefly before i get give you your answer is how much there seemed to be three strata of applicants in the top 10 there were the people who seemed like uh genuine fans there were the people who seemed like creative professionals who were also fans and there were the people who just seemed like really well honed creative people like
1: yes there seemed like professional pitchers in exactly there. like it felt like there were ringers
0: yeah oh totally so much so because one of the things in looking at the rules because w- when when what's her doodle um uh uh magna donnellan uh said that the slide lines i i went and started reading the rules to enter this thing and every Surely then jeff you couldn't enter they picked the top 10 i know i was like i've wild dog 2020 is going to beat this like i'm like six contestants each Gears, one given sporting Dog, equipment and and a mandate to fight crime in a midwestern city, and let's see what happens.
1: Yeah, Wild Dog Twenty Twenty with Dan Didio there and Dan Evans as one of the people who's talking through you. You were going to get into that top ten, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you would have had a good shot
0: with Wild Dog Twenty Twenty <laughs> with those two there. <laughs> so. Sorry, Dad so ideas unlimited ideas unlimited is like every every contestant had to be an ideas unlimited member in good standing which i was like i didn't know that yeah yeah so ideas unlimited is an is a is an advertising marketing agency but their twist is you can join them and become a quote unquote member by signing up to like a member is essentially it's weird cuz they use the terminology um uh in multiple ways on one screen the the idea's unlimited member is a reference to the contractors you can basically sign up to become a contractor a quote unquote member in good standing by submitting all of your previous, like your demo reel, your other writing, your other experience, at which point you become part of their talent pool and they more or less put you in touch with jobs, I assume for a cut of of the of the dividends, right? So there are people who were there who I strongly suspect like cosplay clash winner who were idea were basically ringers in the sense that they were more some of the more talented
2: girl. Yeah, yeah, I I know. Isn't that gross?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there was nothing wrong with her. She just absolutely. um, It was impressive. How I, I tell you, the other thing that was a big tip off is. Everybody, as part of this weird reality show infomercial pitch, had to enter onto the participant stage through a phone booth. And then the phone booth, in the phone booth, they had to pick up the phone and say something, and then they would walk out to people applauding, right? So the idea was they were supposed to have a quote-unquote catchphrase. And again, I felt the difference between who were the comic geeks who made it in there you know, as opposed to the professionals, where the people... Yeah, no, no, no. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I, 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 I honestly, as much as I'm like, oh, fake girl, is it, Jeff? Uh, I totally get what you're saying. Like, it was... To be honest, I think it was actually really off-base from yes, Jump. Right. Exactly. Like, some people are there because they've been reading
0: comics all their life, and some people are there because they want a TV show. Right. Yes. Well, see, that's it. And like I said, there were, there were the occasional person who I thought were very... Um, you know, a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. Like, the guy who won the Arkham Unleashed or Arkham Escaped uh, uh series, who, God bless him, literally burst into tears when he won as one of the three finalists. and And literally seemed like such a human being by the fact of how ridiculously sad his self-esteem was. You know what I mean? Like... One of the things that was amazing, of course, was they had the host of DC Daily, who, as far as I'm convinced, is like a person who was raised in a cage, who watched her parents get murdered in front of her and has an antipathy and hatred for the entire human race because she would just come up and be like, (laughs) how you doing? You think you're going to do well? Oh, you do? Do you? Well, go on, go on. Show them what you're made of, maybe. (laughs) Like really uh, impressively. So watching her with her inability to actively empathize and him with his bad self-esteem where she's like, "So how are you doing? How, how what are you? Are you looking forward to this?" He's like, "Yeah, uh, I'm looking. I'm just hoping I don't blow it too bad. I, you know." But it wasn't like the fake stuff. He's like sweating and all. But oh no, he he, he legitimately was like, "I hope I don't fake it." Yeah. <laughs> don't ruin it. He like really he was. was yeah, he, he was nervous. He was nervous. He was kind of and nervous in that kind of like. I've been a loser all my life kind of way. And she was like, yeah, well, you got to go show him what you're maybe made of, you know, or whatever she said. But it was so ghastly. She's like, go try and get him. You know, like it was like the most passive, aggressive, supportive, like, because, again, you're supposed to be this reality show host. It's a it's a staple, like the guy, the person who interviews and is like cheering you on. And she was there being like, OK, go, go, go. But you could tell she didn't w- really want to be there or like but again it It comes down to this
1: was like a reality show that wasn't a reality show no exactly everything about it was you know it was the nathan for you version of reality (laughs) (laughs) but it was (laughs) like it was such a very very weird specific thing we were like they've watched like the next food network star yeah and thought that's what we're supposed to do but they have you know a 50th of the
0: budget yes and this is the only host available to them yes, for these two days. Exactly. No, exactly. And as the host of D C Daily, who looked like she was up at five AM and kinda of pissed about it. No, it was it was amazing watching them try and mimic that shape and and in a way I'm like, wow, if they're not really nailing this shape, which is supposedly now I get it. In a way they're like we don't really want – we want to pretend like we're spending money here, um, but we don't – we can't actually afford to spend money. And it makes sense. Like, they really, sh- if nothing else, oh, should but be but spending that's just money it. on they the made two.
1: Like, they made an hour out of – what is essentially, like, a two-day trip for these people –
0: like to workshop an idea three days i looked at the rules it's a three day no yeah
1: but you know what i mean like it but it is it's like you know yeah. those yeah. people there to workshop an idea and they're like what if we just set up a camera yeah and try and make television out of this oh yeah yeah yeah
0: which is which is amazing because there's that whole period where everyone gets their time being able to pitch to an actual person uh, you know, they get a time with their mentorship, which I didn't really understand, which was, again, weird because you had these like five minute sessions where you would hear the the creative tutor give advice to the person who was pitching without explicitly like to, some of them you got little drip. They give you little drips and drops of information when they had to. But one of those tutors, the only one that was technically in comic books was Phil Jimenez and he was so sweet oh my god Phil Jimenez was so incredibly encouraging and kind I I,
1: I don't know why he was there
0: <laughs> I know I know because
1: I think they felt like, like I, I was like were you just in the office that day yeah like what why yeah like you know because it was it was Phil and it was um Dan Evans mm-hmm. who, who's like the the like uh, creative for for DC's television, like that's his job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was who else was there, there was someone else because there was a Warner Brothers person. In there, yeah, there? It,
0: there was a uh, Warner Brothers woman. Uh, I'm looking up Lauren, Bridget. Th- Bridget, yeah, right, yeah, studio person. yeah,
1: tell, tell the Pictures, yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like they were. I see. I like that because I know Dan Evans. Right. It's <laughs> so like, like cause I was literally like. I know you and I think I know what you're thinking at this point, Mm -hmm. but I also know that you're a professional. Right. Right. You've got to go. "Mm, Interesting.
0: Well, no, which I thought was great. He did. He did various great versions of there were times when you thought that he was interested. And there were times where you really thought he was interested and, but if you're just meeting them in isolation, you know what I mean? Like it was only by watching them with multiple applicants. But no, they, yeah. those people – and how do I put it? That was all fine. It was just there were bits and pieces. And I thought they gave really good advice in a in, a, in the abstract. But uh, I feel like I had a specific bitchery that you blindsided me and got me off topic on. I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry. No, no, yeah, no.
0: It's back. fine. It's just, as, it's just as well. To wrap up. Uh everyone, if you have DC Universe, uh you should narcotize yourself heavily and never watch that or narcotize yourself <laughs> heavily and watch those two episodes. Just just don't you you literally would have to sign as many disclaimers as the people joining Ideas United. Have to sign. For example, do you know, Graham, that in becoming a member in good standing of Ideas United, in order to participate in this contest, you had to waive away your right to um, uh, be part of a class action and submit instead to mediation in the case of any and all legal disputes with Ideas Unlimited?
1: No, but that seems completely up and up and not shady at all.
0: No, exactly. So <laughs> sign me up. That'd be that, great.
1: That doesn't seem suspicious at all. No, not at all. Great. Yeah, exactly.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 um,
1: yeah. So here, here are my two uh, epilogues to this. Yes. Number one, I watched DCU Unscripted like a few years, weeks ago. It was when I was like really, really sick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that explains uh, it. And, well, I, honestly, here's the thing. I think a lot of it washed over me. Mm-hmm. because i know that if i wasn't basically out of my mind and i remember thinking this as i watched it like i would not make it through this show <laughs> That's why i'm surprised you didn't make it through the entire thing i honestly expected you to bail when i was you like you should watch son of um, a
0: bitch you were trying to kill me god damn it but,
1: Cram. but I, remember watching, oh. I remember watching it being like none of these shows would ever exist in the real world like this is 100% DC Universe has space fill. Right. and then Jeff this week do you know what started on Fox no Lego Masters <laughs> it's a <space laughs> right. of competitive Lego building I shit you not yes. hosted by Will Arnett
0: no mm.
1: oh. Yeah. Wow. and here's the thing Jeff I watched the first episode of Lego Masters mm-hmm. of course I did and it is if that can make on Fox any of the pitches from DCU unscripted. Oh,
0: absolutely! Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah.
1: Absolutely, any
0: of them. Yep. I mean, that's thing the th- thing. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yes. You know what I've become
1: genuinely non-ironically a fan of on Disney Plus? Uh, what? Marvel's Hero Project, which is. The most cynical brand extension you could imagine. Mm,
2: hmm
1: Do you know what it is? It rings a bell. It's
0: a couple of years old, isn't it? No, it's not. It's brand new, and it's made oh. for Disney+. Oh, okay. Then I don't know. Okay. Our hero project is this. There are kids, like,
1: I think the oldest one they featured is, like, 16,
0: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Who are doing
1: things for communities around the world. Around America, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and like genuinely inspiring kids I'm not joking Like there's a couple that I'm just like These kids are fucking astonishing mm. Like there's a, a A kid who's Who's raising awareness for trans kids Because she realized she was trans at 8 years old mm. At 12 And she's hosting You know symposiums <laughs> To be like yeah kids understand this They know mm-hmm. Like don't patronize them Let them be who they want to be right. So and these kids are I mean, genuinely all amazing Like all of them are amazing mm-hmm. and so you get like maybe 10-15 minutes of their stories mm-hmm. and it is just like you're like these children are astounding like I, they have such strength they are inspirational but that's interspersed <laughs> going back to the marvel offices where steven wacker and oh god what's her name, Santa and two other random marvel people talk about how that that person that real person I uh, would fit into the Marvel universe. No. What Marvel brands are like. Oh. And they make a, like a fold-out comic poster mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. And give them a jacket and say, Welcome to Marvel's Hero Project. And that's the, like the end of each episode. is like, you know, welcome to the team type thing. Right. I swear to shit, I am genuinely into the show. Even though... It is the most cynical shit on Marvel's part.
0: Yeah. Like, it's astonishingly shit cynical. Well, actually, one of the things I love about this is probably that I, I would bet you that that is an idea that was developed by Stephen Wacker. Because if there is someone oh, I'm who impresses, who manages to be both incredibly cynical and yet push our buttons for being genuinely entertaining, I would say it's, it's Wacker, you know?
1: So, here, so here's the thing. So I'm watching uh, the first uh, – not even the first episode. I'm watching an episode, the first episode I see. Right. Um, and this kid is just being amazing. Uh, I, and again, like all of the stories are classic – presenting classic uh, reality show way. Like right. here is my – uh like here's my problem here's my trauma here's right. here's like here, here's my montage
0: had, with the tinkling the sad piano to...
1: music yeah to, yes. yeah mm-hmm. here, here are my family members talking about how difficult it was for me and also for them right um and then cut to them doing what they're now doing which as i said in every single case is inspirational like genuinely not sarcastically in- inspirational right right, right. um And they do all this, and then it cuts back to, you know, Stephen Marker and Sam. And, and and like, the first one I saw was this uh, kid who was really into football, and then he's blinded. Uh, Because of, like, it this sounds dumb, but the dumbest accident. Like, he dives into a swimming pool and dislocates something in his eye. Oh, blind. Oh, no. Right? Oh, God. Um, But he, he then, like, goes back to football and is this, like, amazing star football player in his high school.
0: He's an amazing right? I, blind fo- star football player.
1: Yes. It right? Is, okay. So of course it cuts back to them and they're like, He's daredevil and then someone else <laughs> is like, He's not Daredevil though. He's more like and they just come up with like all these like random connections, which is one of the Cynical pleasures of the show, right? Right. They, you know, they're like, you know, this gets on this, and they're like, yeah. But if you think about it, it's like he's got a spidey sense, like Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about it, he's really beating the odds, and that makes
0: him like Squirrel
1: Girl. And you're like, what
0: the fuck? You're literally <laughs> just gaming like, characters now. That- oh man, I um, would give anything to be during on that part of the show because that would be great. Having every inspirational say, like, kid, it's a lie, kid. I, I'd just be like, he's this. This kid reminds me of Magneto. You know, and just, just keep going. First off... He's the bad guy? Yes! He's always! Yeah, he's yeah. definitely
1: a victim of Doom. Well, if you think about it, he's much more the submariner in his yeah, hatred of exactly. humanity. Exactly!
0: He has a he hatred has of, humanity. of humanity. He looks good shirtless. Uh, you know, I think I saw no, something so, so, like wings near his his feet. Uh, he reminds so, me of so, Daredevil, what? but when he was homeless and gripped in the hearts of some sort of addiction. Uh,
1: <laughs> so they do all this shit, right? And then they do the thing and they, they bring out... Um, And I was like, you know, this is a cynical brand exercise, but this kid's amazing. And then every single episode, they do the one thing that because I'm a sucker, Jeff, oh, because I'm no. a sucker, I'm like – I kind of forgive them for how cynical this show is. No. Every single episode, they give $10,000 to the charity that the kid's supporting. Oh, wow. Well, that's
0: nice. I mean, there's and something like, there. Exactly. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. always
1: like, you know what? You fucking give them $10,000. Sure. Like, that's fine. Yeah. This kid can get a jacket and be like, sure, I guess I'm part of a Marvel brand thing now. Whatever. Because their charity just got fucking $10,000. $10,000. Yeah. yeah. When it's when it is like, you know, this this um, like astonishing little trans kid, and her like Marvel Marvel gives a pro trans rights for kids charity ten thousand dollars. Right, I'm like, okay, sure, right. I'm 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 in support of this.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Like somewhere Ike is like, you know. To hope like steven Micra has hidden this from my oh
0: it's it, right the- it's so buried Maybe. down he's like why yeah. is this catering budget so high it's like uh we are off-site locations you know to travel like, out there like, I was like, like, like oh.
1: yeah we we're really hungry that day but that's just it like again ten thousand dollars and seeing these inspirational kids and i swear to god jeff
0: i am legitimately like tuning into the show now how many Not even episodes, how many episodes are there or do, are, is it a thing like it's, they do they drop them weekly play. what's that hmm? yeah they drop
1: they drop a weekly okay All right. uh and i want to say there's like 10 or 12 right now
0: uh-huh
1: uh-huh wow yeah okay literally it's one of those things where like i watched it because i was bored and like i was like what's well, on disney plus i wonder how bad this will be and you know i started off being like this is really terrible and then this kid's great though like this kid's really good oh fuck you've given him ten thousand dollars <laughs> That's great, okay, Graham. <laughs> oh, but I am. I'm completely sold. I'm genuinely sold on it. And as much as I'm making fun of all these DCU shows, like there is not like this Marvel show is as cynical. Oh yes, as tacky, as utterly disconnected to Marvel as a brand. Yeah, like you know, every every kid when they get their their jacket in their comic to get a cover letter and the cover letter is always like you inspire us to make our great comics and it's like the fuck you do yeah you've never heard of this. yeah like, exactly it didn't inspire you at all yeah but yeah. at the same time again you're giving the charity ten thousand dollars so fine
0: right right exactly ten thousand dollars for lip service i will let you lip serve me if you're giving people in need ten thousand dollars exactly so, yeah which seems seems fair, seems seems so fair.
1: What, I, guess, I guess my postscript is this, Jeff. Uh, I, I inevitably am going to end up genuinely enjoying
0: one of these terrible DC universe shows. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'd be curious to see which one it's going to end up being, but yeah, sure, yeah, I, I can see it. I do wonder which one's going to win. Yeah. Oh right, right, I, exactly. Because they're not making all three into series. Well, each one is being made as a pilot, so and then I think I there's from there. Yeah, there's a final. One One thing that I was not sure about was, and I think this is a little, this is a bit of a bummer, is the 10 finalists, I think each got $250 and got to go to Los Angeles, you know, yeah. for that three-day weekend. But I but yeah, yeah, and then the three winners each get $1,000 um, and the associate producer and get the work on the show and blah, blah, blah depending on the level of their creative experience and what have you um, and then there is the um, grand prize winner who gets the show and either gets another thousand dollars or I think sadly just you know gets the same thousand dollars like i think they only get paid once so i'm not sure if grand prize winner gets anything more than there's multiple episodes of your show that we don't have to pay you for creating exactly yeah you you get the honor of having created the show right exactly looks looks good on your linkedin resume you know so uh uh yeah graham wow so yeah i really don't know where to pivot from there like i part of me is like At at a certain point, you and I have to talk about Animal World. But, um, oh, you know, talking of... Wait, wait, we have to talk about Animal World? Oh, totally. We totally have to talk about Animal World. Because like DC Universe, Animal World is a follow-up to our previous episode. Okay, go. So you may remember that I had a lot of very positive things to say about the comic that you were pretty sure I had made up, Gambling Apocalypse Keiji, the manga in which a desperate man ends up on a cruise having to play life-or-death games of rock-paper-scissors with people. rock paper scissors Right, scissor-pizzor-rockers, as they used to say back in Shakespeare's time. Uh, Rock-paper-scissors, yes. Uh, Limitless RPS. And um what happened was as a result of that a couple of people a checked it out also loved it but a few people were like you should look at the adaptation the, the movie adaptation that was made of this that's on netflix called animal world and it this, sure enough, this is, is
1: like the this is the the film that's michael
0: douglas in it right yes the chinese film i believe it's chinese is it korean it's chinese It's Chinese. There was clearly that people were talking Mandarin. uh, Yeah, Mandarin in there. So let me double check that, though, just so we can find out whether I'm a racist or not. It's Chinese. I've looked up the Wikipedia. Thank you. So, yes, Michael Douglas in there along with – so it was turned into this movie, which I sat down high and watched the other night. And it seemed like it would be – fantastic in fact other people had mentioned animal world and kind of how crazy it was and it sounded kind of interesting to me anyway and then i forgot about it and then people were like i was like oh this is that thing i'll be excited because what they do is the opening is like some some basically they take the movie and turn it into some cross between unsurprisingly fight club and deadpool where they take the hero and so how do i put it on the one hand it was enjoyable although as in terms of being faithful to the original manga it's kind of like the diff, like saying that the first blade movie was faithful to the original character exactly. right <laughs> like everything there is technically there but it's not really the way that it was presented which makes kind of a big difference um and for some people that difference will be for the better but for me where The character who has this um, semi-violent internal fantasy life where he sees himself as a clown based on a horrific trauma that happened to him as a child while watching uh, an anime series based on a clown and at moments of high stress imagines his enemies turning into monsters and him turning into a clown that he can then cut apart and disrupt. In fact, there is a sequence where he slices apart a bunch of monsters on a subway train, which I'm like, boy, what I would have given to slice that into Joaquin Phoenix's the Joker because it's a clown, you know, beating up people on a subway train. But it is of course, absolutely. Again, the comparisons are almost more to Deadpool in terms of the amount of bloody over the toppery. So all of which is to say, is one of the things they were faithful to the actual uh RPS concept and perhaps unsurprisingly um they it, I I think by by which I mean unsurprising because the puzzles that the that the manga creator creates for the different traps and problems that happen with this rock paper scissors competition are so clever that they more or less just rip all of those off at least for the first two-thirds of the movie. So part of why I'm bitter is I'm pretty sure that they have spoiled future volumes of the manga for me. Although (laughs) people have said, like, oh, no, it's different. But I'm like, yeah, sure. The presentation's different. Those fucking rock-paper-scissors puzzles are so difficult to figure out on their own. I'm sure they kept those. And I'm just having the next three confrontations spoiled for me. But that's okay. All of which is to say... I I wasn't crazy for it. People who were excited to hear me talk about *Gambling Apocalypse* Keiji and want the the basic gist of the situations and want it done in a super highly stylized, um, like they Graham, they literally have like a post credit sequence. It's amazing how much it's this weird, like, oh yeah, this is you know, it's adapted from a manga. It's kind of like *Deadpool*. This is very much a This is very much China's franchise concept. Um, One thing that about the only thing that I really did dig for it is there were a couple of points where there's extended fight sequence fantasy sequences that are so far that are incredibly over the top. And one of the things that's really great about them is it seems to be a genuinely horrified. Um, look at China's, um, for lack of a better word, metastasizing, uh, capitalist tendencies. So mm-hmm. it's not surprising that this super highly capitalistic metaphor, as at least as presented in, uh, Gambling Apocalypse Keiji ends up being the core of this movie. Um, because there is, uh, to put it mildly, a kind of, um, uh, heavily disguised kind of I think uh, horror about the possible implications of what that kind of um approach to society might mean for china, but that being said it didn't re- it didn 't fully turn my crank, but I know it will turn the cranks of a lot of people, especially people who were interested in the manga, not enough to hunt it up, read it. I had to pre-order the second volume, Graham, and the fact that I'm somewhat dis—it can't be as good as the first volume because I wasn't high when I ordered it, and therefore I'll remember it when it shows up. But, um, <laughs> but
1: I, it, it, yeah, you're like it. It, it just will. The circumstances alone is what made the first one good.
0: Yes. Well, no, 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 because no. because honestly, that really was the frosting on the cake because I I I really did end up loving gambling apocalypse kg. i really was looking forward to that second volume it's 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 a it's a pretty impressive piece of work i'm i'm into it but the fact that it also was something that High jeff gave to sober jeff um was kind of awesome uh so graham choose your own adventure do you want me to b talk about the other manga in print that i read uh, sorry why is that b or a Talk no, no, about, I, I want to know where you're going. Yeah. Talk talk about the first 9 issues of Dan Slott's Fantastic 4. Uh which ended oh, up
1: I Oh, I definitely way. want to hear you talk about Dan Slott's Fantastic 4.
0: It's garbage. No, uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, it's it's not garbage, but I really didn't like it. I was so annoyed with the first 4 issues. The 5th issue, first, the yeah. First, mm-hmm.
1: In particular, are shockingly weak, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it does get better. Yes. If only because i the first four are and the first three because isn't it a three and then there's one partner? Uh, well, uh, am the, I, I No, 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 no.
0: I mean, the the the, the issue one is basically the uh, is probably quote unquote the done in one because it's sort of the 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 team aren't together. You know, it's basically. um johnny and ben and then issues two three and four basically are like here's what reed sue and the kids are up to here's the threat here's how the team gets brought together then it's resolved by issue four issue five is the wedding issue which i'd like to talk about and then issues six through nine are the dr doom galactus storyline yeah which uh so yeah so which so yeah so, yeah, one thing that I'll have to say for those people who are, uh, I liked parts of the wedding issue a lot. There were other parts that actually annoyed the shit out of me. But the Mike Allred flashback story that's, well, Ben and Sue and weird is like a weird bit of um, dance slot retro continuity uh, that I think is... Kind of an interesting piece of fanfic. If I'm reading it correctly, is basically all about the the sort of thwarted romance, romantic feelings between Ben Grimm and Sue, and how they more or less play out on the pages of Fantastic Four number one, which I thought was kind of an interesting tactic to take. It wasn't. Great, because essentially, as I understand it, and Graham, of course, it's been many months since you've read it, I'm pretty sure. Uh, it, the story essentially puts in the framework that before the flight, of course, read. Ben and Sue spent a lot of time together and it literally involves at one point Ben, like Ben taking Sue out for a birthday, I think because Reed's too busy doing a giga thing exactly as he goes on to later do. There's a lot of talk, Ben super supportive, you know, uh, and, and one of the things that, that slot plays up is the idea that Ben Grimm is quite the ladies man, which makes, is a, is kind of a good, clever, bit of it's a nice yeah it's a
1: nice bit considering what happens to him yes
0: exactly so that's a good bit the idea that the two of them but so sue says something like oh gosh i could stay at all night and he's like yeah i gotta get you back to let me get you back to read or something like that so the next day like it's got the events of them playing the um you know playing back the episode uh, as it happens in ff number one and rather than taking i think the sort of more kind of holistic forgive and forget of like hey these characters were kind of different like but they're also sort of you know they grow into the people that were that we recognize slot is taking the approach of no these are the same characters and so therefore you know sue basically says you know, I have no idea why I said the second worst thing that I ever said to you, which was she called, She says to him, like, I, thought, I never thought you'd be a coward. And that, of course, in, makes Ben go and, and get in the spaceship and fly them up. And then after the cosmic rays hit them and she's like, yes, the worst thing that I've ever said in my life is she's like, you've turned into some kind of a thing. And... The what the, the pieces that I actually liked about this story were, A, the subtext that because Sue was a little bit hurt by Ben kind of just sort of shutting her down and taking her back and being like a, a friend or whatever, she makes these like slightly crueler comments than she would <laughs> in any other time for what we know of Sue. And she goes on to basically regret it. Um, the other thing that I... So, so the that actually, I think one of the things that's great is without having to posit it, play it forward much, is slot also puts in a kind of a groundwork for why this, you know, c- crushed, angry Ben Grimm keeps making these comments about like, oh, you need a real man, and ah, uh, you know, like he's kind of weirdly, um, acting out this weird framework of their, of their relationship that happened when they were, you know, essentially in, in no way mature uh, about it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah. And I also have to say, cause there is that thing that we talked about in the Baxter building of the first couple of issues, uh, first dozen issues in which Ben Grimm is especially sort of is conceived by Kirby and Lee, almost like a biblical character in the sense of, He's just being punished for reasons that don't make much sense. Like he turns into a human again, and then he turns back into a monster. He's going to be Bluebeard and stay back in time. And then he ends up like, I don't remember, a storm tears his ship apart or whatever. There's this whole, um, one thing that I really liked about about the Ben and Sue story is Sue talks about the fact that Ben was the only one who was right. About the fact that they were not ready to go. And so there's something about the strange sort of pariah nature of Ben, where Ben is, you know, he's kind of like this Job like figure in that he was right, but because, but for whatever reasons, he's essentially being punished for being the only one, more or less, with enough cynicism that's actually foresight to see what might have happened and therefore. Is punished worse than anyone else in it. Kind of weird. Again, thoughts about the FF that I was like, oh, okay, so Slot has clearly thought about the FF and how they work and what makes them interesting. And then I read the rest of it and I'm like, oh, or maybe not. Because Slot very oh, much okay. is crap to me, particularly in those first four issues. But even after, Slot is very much crafting FF. In what I think of as the Mark Wade, the Wade Waringo run, right? Like it's like mm-hmm. they're a family. They're a family that fights big over the top ideas, and Danslot has kind of a um that those ideas are not grounded in anything that we would recognize as science or even much of a basis in reality, right?
1: Like, oh yeah, it, it's it's very much comic book. So it it's slots FF is and I, I, the, the comparison to Wade I think is is apt if not entirely correct
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, because I th- well I think the Wade at least saw his run as being created almost in opposition to the comic book history of The Fantastic Four. Mm. Mm. Um, and I think that Slot sees his as being like, you know, a return to that comic book tradition. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so. Well, you know? But so... But, but, yeah, well, Slott yeah. is
1: definitely writing a um, a, a uh, overly faithful um, version of The Fantastic Four that still manages to,
0: I think, utterly miss what makes The Fantastic Four interesting or good. Well, yeah, I think, I think that's apt. One of the things that I realised that slot slot makes me um very much aware of how much it you understand why for almost 200 issues after Jack and Stan left the FF people continued to to open the comic with Thing and Torch fighting in the in the Baxter yeah, building yeah. because it was the best dramatic shorthand for showing that they were a family. Once you take that away, you have so much in slots. Fantastic four, where it's literally people talking about being family in a way that is, I mean, not only is it squirmingly obvious, like it's literally so, on the page there's no subtext or anything there's no there's no attempt to dramatize it it's just merely by the sake with which people state it in bigger or balder terms you know usually oh yeah page. yes, and
1: it's also uh, again people state that they are family without actually demonstrating exactly an understanding of
0: yep. Yep, yep. It's all telling, no showing. And it's it's rough because I have this thing of like, oh, right, they didn't have to push the family angle as much during the Fantastic Four, the quote-unquote, the prime days, like because they were able to sort of dramatize it. They dramatized it in a way that grew entirely hackneyed and everyone knew that they had to avoid, but they haven't come up with anything better. Them talking about it does not really work for me. So, yeah, but I mean, there is just stuff where it's like you know Reed and franklin are they're they're going and they're creating universes, which again, I'm like, eh. and then the griever at the end of all things uh is the big bad who pops out of nowhere and begins devouring all of uh Franklin's universes, and so the universes have things like the sky breaking apart and her and her stuff winging through and again it's like the sky breaking apart in like a it's you know you could maybe buy it if it was if it was done in a grant morrison meta way but i think slot's kind of doing it in a weird best case scenario shit dr who way and it just doesn't it's really bad. I had I had some really bad reactions to it. The whole thing with Doctor Doom and Galactus. I also ran kind of coolish on, but at least I noticed I was still reading it. It it wasn't I think I I think I might have snapshotted any cringe pages. Let me see if I snapshotted a cringe page from the later issues or if it was all relatively recent cringe. Uh I read
1: Fantastic 4 5 through 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, just last month interesting okay uh because i mean i was rereading five i definitely read five like a long time ago but i, I went through a chunk of them mm-hmm. um and i remember like i can it's it just sounds really damning with faint praise and maybe that's accurate but i kept reading them because they're readable uh like, mm-hmm. especially Marvel Unlimited, where, like, the next one's Just is just there, and there's no – you don't have to pay money for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. I mean, it's literally, mm-hmm.
1: like, that past the time, it's it's inoffensive. And ultimately, I think that's it. It's inoffensive. Like, it's not – they're not great comics. They're not arguably good comics.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But they're fine, and
0: mm-hmm. they're there. Right, right. No, I which I'm I'm aware of, and – how do I put it? yeah no i i totally i see what you're saying and you know you know what it is it's just again there's that you know wade and waringo were put on the ff or were going to go on the ff and then they were pulled as i recall because Jameis wanted to do a completely
1: yeah but then they went back on
0: yes and they created the spinoff series. There were two FF titles on there. One, one I think, was... Maybe it was just called FF. I don't remember.
1: It was called Four.
0: Yeah, it was called Four. Right, exactly. And Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa, back before he, he learned how to be interesting, wrote uh, most of those. And that was James's idea of uh, the Fantastic Four sitcom, in which they're sort of a f- sitcom family. And they've got feuds with their neighbors and things like that. And you know the weird part is Wade and Rory went and, you know, were the ones who ended up getting their comic back and getting to go in their original direction which again had a certain uh understandably je ne sais incredible's about it, you know, mm-hmm. cuz Wade clearly saw the the through lines on that one and 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 one really Uh, illuminated the other and in a weird way i sort of feel as someone who has not followed the ff barely a whit. um there is kind of a weird uh uh the ff as a family comic as a comic strip about a superheroed family is a way that they keep coming back to but in a way that they can never quite well, my, my crazy thesis, Graham, is is that part of the problem is because the Fantastic Four are the, Marvel's oldest super team and they're a family, they are quote unquote fantastic in a way that is antithetical to the way that Marvel used to handle their comics in that there's almost no negative feelings in the in the in the nine issues of the comic that i read there wasn't there's a certain um like, every everyone loves each other, you know? It's kind of that thing of, it's, it's sort of part of the quote-unquote surprise is how well everyone kind of gets along. Like, Franklin is now a teenager, Valeria's a an older teen, he's dyed his hair blue and is kind of going through his rebellious phase, she's sort of interested in girls, but in ways that in no way seem informed by actual reality other than <laughs> whatever no, technical no, it, it, references are in there are more yes, or less contemporaneous yes. you know
1: yeah and and that's something that i think slot does uh a lot mm-hmm. and very much to his detriment mm-hmm. he writes himself well
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: he writes the comics that he grew up on relatively like okay mm-hmm Everything else feels like it is a photocopy of a
0: photocopy. Well, but th- yeah, yes. But the thing that I find fascinating is, is it's a photocopy of a photocopy, but not necessarily a photocopy of a Marvel comic. You know? Oh or, no, no
1: exactly. Yeah. No, it, that's entirely true. Yeah. But again, he, uh, he, quote unquote, is Marvel comic. He is maybe too Marvel comic.
0: Well, this is the thing that's kind of odd. Is I'm like, yes, but no. Like it's a like I can't figure it out. It could just be that. Maybe is it just there's... that it's not your Marvel comic? Well, see, I guess that's probably it. I would I would say uh, that maybe here's the theory. Literally workshopping it as we speak is that Marvel goes through a period where. It's superheroes, when it reinvents superheroes in the 60s, it's the superhero with the feet of clay. And that more or less continues into the superhero with the feet of clay and sort of the more progressive anti-heroes that you see in the 70s. Then I'm going to say there's a period in the 80s where there's kind of a putting aside of some of the Russies before steering back into doubling down on them in the 90s. I don't know if you would accept any of that, but let's just say that that's a thing. In which case, if so, Slot is his idea of Marvel Comics f- seems to be more Marvel Comics from "quote unquote the 80s," I suppose, in which there's a lot of people for lack of a better term, getting along, you know, I don't want to necessarily go to the down the route that seems kind of semi, um, you know, that DC was stumbling back into around the time of the new 52 of Oh, the heroes all hate each other. And, and even kind of the, the post-Marvel Civil War of like, oh, these two heroes have beef and they've always had beef and it's always going to, you know, Cap and Tony are at the opposite ends of the spectrum because, you know, Tony is a capitalist and Captain America is, you know, American. It's, yeah, it's America. <laughs> you know, so stuff like that's not capitalist. Right, exactly. The world's one of the world's most capitalist places founded entirely on the idea of, of you know, free business and capitalism. Uh, is this weird, you know, is kind of like, oh, everyone's getting along. And, but, so I guess what I would say is, you know, that whole, uh, who was it? Was it Tolstoy who said, like, um, uh, Happy families are all alike. Unhappy families are each unhappy in their own unique way. I've never heard that, but it's a wonderful line. It is a good line. Uh, I think one of the things that that I thought that Kirby, particularly in my eye, Kirby, but also to an extent Lee was able to play up, was like, you know, you look at Thor. Thor is a story about a family. And part of what what digs so deep in there is is Thor, who's the perfect son, who feels unappreciated, Loki, the total shit brother, who basically feels like everyone hates him, but is kind of always being given more chances by his dad. In other words, dysfunctional family. There's there's no way in which the Fantastic Four are really allowed to be dysfunctional in these first nine issues. Like even their relationship with Dr. Doom, because of the turns and twists that it has taken, has a lot of Dr. Doom being like, oh, I'm so sorry, you're like my, oh, Reed, how that it came to this, sorry, I've got to kill you because in some ways I consider you, you know, close to an equal and almost a friend, but you're going to die. And, you know, it cuts back to Valeria being like, why didn't they bring me? I'm his goddaughter. I would have talked sense into him. And part of me is like, yeah, why didn't they? You know, other than you don't really have a story if you have Dr. Doom not acting like Dr. Doom, or at least you don't have a Dr. Doom story. And so we were talking about the whole Galactus going from Galactus Lifebringer to Galactus, you know. Yeah, to, plot eater. Yeah. Yeah. Hungry on Maine Galactus and and but you know the the doctor having totally avoided the doctor doom hero turn post secret wars i don't know what they're thinking in this there's this weird and i think that's the other thing that feels weirdly not not my marvel comics is the way in which slot acknowledges the history that has happened prior but not in any way that I feel makes it coherent, yes. you know, like yeah. it's almost the opposite. It's like he, he continuity is this lantern that he has to dutifully hang that if you look at it too closely, more or less doesn't, ha- you know what I mean? Saying so anyway, all no, of no, no, said I can say, I totally yeah, know yeah, yeah. Saying. So it's a shame. I know what you mean. It was, they were inoffensive comics they're fine, I sort of, but it's weird how unlike... The other thing is, is, is no pun intended, literally the thing. Like, Ben Grimm, they clearly, understandably, had to move away from the thing looking like Joe Sinnott drew him. Maybe, arguably, because nobody but Joe Sinnott can draw the thing like that. Yes. But his... All of his current incarnations where he basically looks like a rock-covered gorilla is weirdly unvisually dynamic, you know what I mean? And similarly, Johnny as the Human Torch, who now basically looks like a guy covered in light, you know? Like, there's no... there's. It's impressive how... It's just it's just a weird minimizing of the Fantastic Four, which, believe me, the Baxter building, one of the things that that did teach me was sort of weirdly not being really sure how much I like the Fantastic Four, you know, after we went through it. Like, there are things that I love about the FF, and so many of them are distilled in Kirby, and once you take him out of the way, then you've got varying levels of of diminishing returns. But there is something in, you know, particularly that first 150, 200 issues where they're an incredibly dysfunctional family and Byrne, to his credit, tries to figure out new ways to up the dysfunction, you know, to the point of, you know, all but breaking the book. Uh, I just, I, I see what you're saying. It's an inoffensive product. I'm just shocked that that is... I'm not shocked. I guess it's shocking and how unshocking it is that that seems to be Marvel's current goal for a comic book. I mean, it's not their only one, but certainly where their flagship books are concerned, it it weirdly feels like the FF is being handled by people who can who understand the FF on paper, but maybe not really on on the page. Yeah.
1: No, no, I I, I, I agree. I, I think it's not just FF. Like, I think you can point to a lot of Marvel books where that's the case. Right, right. I, you know, like, I, I think you and I would disagree, but I think Avengers is there.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. I think you could argue that the X-Men franchise is there. Right, right. No, honestly, you know? once we put it in this context, I can see precisely how the Avengers is there and precisely why you're like... I think if you took every comment that I had, except for the specific family stuff, rearranged it or reapportioned it for the Avengers, it would totally fit and be apt. So, yeah, I think I think that's actually an excellent
1: point. This makes me want to pivot to something entirely different, but not entirely different. Okay, something that I promised you. An episode ago and didn't deliver but think I've got now which is my list of everything I read in January in terms of comics. Oh holy shit. Okay, I'm ready. This is going to be an apocalypse, people. Here's the thing. Yeah. It is incomplete because I I rebuilt it after the fact. Okay, that's fine. Right. So I yeah. know there's things that aren't in there. Yep. But just go with me in this. If for example, I know there's Marvel 2 uh, team-up issues that aren't in there. Okay. Um anyway, Amazing Spider-Man 101, 102 right avengers the new series issues 5 through 20 wow best of best of two thousand eighty issue one right uh dc comics presents issue 98
2: mm-hmm.
1: superman and blue devil by the way um dc's crime of passions the crimes of passion one shot
0: right that which just came out on the stands i think this last week
1: right yeah but i got an early copy because i was talking to uh, some creators
0: who were doing it of course
1: um all of dc's january releases Good Christ, Graham. Okay. Uh, Doctor Strange, issues 12 through 16. Okay. Don't Go Without Me from Shortbox, which is the Rosemary Villar-O'Connell book, which, by the way, everyone can now buy from Shortbox's website, and you should. Um, Extreme Justice, issues 0 through 18. Wow. Faithless, issue 1 through 5, which is the Brian Azzarello, and Maria Lovelet quote-unquote
0: erotic uh, thriller. Oh, you know, I got, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I... Read that, and I have to put that on my February list. I'm, I'm glad I reminded you. Yeah. Um,
1: Fantastic Four, you just said, issues 5 through
0: 11. Mm-hmm.
1: Firefly, issues 1 through 4, the new Boom series. Mm. Firefly, The Sting, which is a graphic novel spin-off. spinoff. Mm-hmm. Goodnight, Paradise from TKO. Guardians of the Galaxy, issue 1, the new series. Guardians of the Galaxy, issues 1 through 7, last year's new series. Wow. Guy Gardner, Warrior, issues 17 through 25. Good Christ. Hooligan's Haircut. Mm-hmm. The Milligan uh, Jamie Hewlett comic from the 90s. I Am Not Okay With This from Fantagraphics, the Charles Forsman book. Yes. J L A Incarnations, issues 1 through 6. Mm-hmm. Judge Dredd Magazine, 416. Uh, Judge Dredd Complete Case Files, volume 11 and most of volume 12. Oh, you son of a bitch. Okay. Justice League Europe, 1 through 6. Justice League Task Force, uh, 0 through 21. Wow. Kerry and the Knights of the Forest. Masters of British Comic Art. Mm. uh Micronauts, The New Voyages, issues 1 through 20. Oh my Nick god. Nevin, Nick Nevin and the Bloody Queen, which mm. is a humanoid book that's coming out. Noisemakers, the new Knopf collection. Right. Um, Outsiders, issues 1 through 6, the 1993 revival, which is terrible. Um, Ronan Island from Boom, issues 1 through 4. Rogue Trooper Tales from New Earth, volume 1. Sarah, the uh, Garth Ennis and Steve Epstein book from TKO. Mm-hmm. The new uh, first issue of Star Wars. Uh, from Marvel, Star Wars uh, 62 to 67 which is the last Kieran Gillen run from Marvel, Star Wars The Rise of Kylo Ren issues 1 and 2, Super Team Family issue 1, The Green Lantern issues 1 through 12, The Magnificent Miss Marvel 1 through 5, The Plain Jane's reissue, which is the first two books and the third book that's just (laughs) been part of the reissue Um, The Provocative Collette, which is an MBM uh, European comic that I got sent genuinely two years ago and finally realized i hadn't read wow. um the run of princess from random house graphic uncanny x-men 11 through 19 which is the matthew rosenberg final issues before the dawn of x relaunch vampire tales 1 through 4 from the 70s by marvel oh Wolverine. my god okay. 17 through 22 from mm. 1988
0: and wonder woman 750 like i said that's an incomplete list oh Jesus, I knew you would smoke me. But that is terrifying. That's a terrifying amount of content. I'm envious and heartsick and impressed and happy for you and horrified. So what's great is you made that list. It was long, but you literally included like 15 issues in a go. Whereas when I list some of this stuff out, it's literally like issue by issue and my list looks fatter than it does because i will write about i'll put in an entry for something while i'm in the process of reading it until i've finished reading so for the people who want a good laugh here's my list of january which i think is also incomplete but not by much uh darth vader volumes one and two dr afra volume one spider-man life story although i think i'd already read issues one and two on marvel unlimited star wars tie fighter v for vendetta uh immortal hulk issue 29 savage avengers 9 imanon volume 3 which is also which has the amazing title imanon wanderer part 2 uh dial h for hero uh, volume 1, Enter the Hero Verse. Superman's Girlfriend, Lois Lane, issues 15 and 16. Captain Britain, issues 17 and 18. Those are the six-page stories yeah. by Herb Trimpey and uh, heavily on the sauce, Gary Friedrich Friedrich. Silver Surfer Black, number one. Avengers, issue 29. Jimmy Olsen, from 2019, issue 7. Venom the End, number one. Judge Dredd: The Complete Case Files, volume 11. Red Sonja, volume one. Scorched Earth. Ex-Enthusiasts, Motokare Mania, volumes one and two. Gambling Apocalypse, KG. The Weird, Out of Nowhere, Giant Size, Fantastic Four, issue three. History of the Marvel Universe, uh, Marvel One, the 2019 Wade, uh, Rivera thing looks gorgeous. Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys Marvel, issues one and two. Avengers, issue 30. Invitation from a Crab, which I started in January and finished uh, just yesterday and is the manga title I wanted to to talk about. Uh, Immortal Hulk, issue 30. And Criminal, issue 12. Barely a fraction of what you've read now just... yeah graham graham that i mean here's the a... thing i just read every
1: night for a to sleep and sometimes i can read a bunch because again it's digital and like marvel unlimited DC universe right. it's really easy to get through like six issues in a chunk
0: except i gotta tell you maybe this is me turning i want to say turning old but as someone who has just been uh has, has been sh- impressively and shockingly illiterate like the last year to two years I can only make like the Fantastic Four issues I think I read five of them at a go and then came back and like I digitally I I am in a place with super fast Wi-Fi and Marvel Unlimited for the first time is more or less allowing me to download and read stuff like all but in real time my Wi-Fi is finally so good and yet I can only maybe make it about four to five issues before I just have to get up and walk around. You know what I mean? Mm. And I don't know. I don't necessarily know if that's like good or bad. I just know that it's me. But the difference between you and me where you're like, here's the thing. It's digital. I'm reading before bed. It's like, yes, Graham, we are in similar circumstances. And what I'm saying is you can sit down and plow through 15 comics at a go uh, which is great and i'm not trying to i just i'm aware I you're have not my, trying to shame me no no, you're succeeding. no 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 i i i i'm impressed i'm genuinely impressed i'm i'm more than a little envious it's clear that i'm a little cowed i knew it would be like this because one of the things that i think is interesting is over the years of us doing this podcast together is the slightly bewildering times where i've been like um everything you know everything that i've read you've read and then everything that i haven't read you've also read now that's not entirely true in part like because i went in, well because i went into manga and along other various routes that you don't necessarily tread but i remember very keenly how much it's like we would talk about things and you would have no just knowing from you casually talking about what you're reading some of its work research or whatever but it's still like a crazy amount and i'm just like uh, i'm kind of i don't know this is it kind of actually reminds me of um talking to you and hibbs you would come by comics experience and we would all sort of talk comics and at a certain point i literally would get bored which is not something that ever happens <laughs> to me with comics but i'd be like i just i got a Go do something. I got to pee. I just, I need to rest my ears. I don't want to think about DC's market share. And you and Brian literally get up every day and eat, drink, breathe this stuff, go to bed and do it all over again. And that is, it is something that I am genuinely impressed and envious of and a little insecure about because I do have that feeling. I think a lot of comic book dudes do have that thing of like, oh, yeah, I'm really on top of my game. I know comics. Why, you can throw anything at me. And admittedly, I've dialed that down during the years that we've been doing the podcast. But even if I hadn't, there was that awareness of like, oh, yeah, I don't really... I've got a certain level of inexhaustible hunger and mania about this, but it is, in fact, entirely exhaustible. And you and Brian work at this higher level that I'm both in awe of, and am not shaming you. i Am trying to give you absolute credit, but because I'm an insecure, nervous human misery pit, can't really express it in any way that doesn't sound like I'm I'm passive aggressively uh, dissing you, and I'm not. The end. I feel passively
1: dissed. Do I don't know what. What's very strange is I'm aware. I'm actually very aware. Of two things recently. One, how much more I do live and breathe this compared with, I'll just say it, normal people. Right. And two, my limits for that, especially recently. Mm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and where that really comes for the limits part, especially comes for me recently is I've been doing a lot of phone interviews,
0: mm.
1: which I don't normally do. Right. Uh, and that's for, that's honestly the, re- the reason for that is I don't like transcribing. Mm-hmm. And I don't like editing transcriptions. Oh, it's and I
0: don't just hell.
1: trust yeah. other people to transcribe stuff without me editing it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? I just mm-hmm. don't.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I, I've got to listen to it myself. I've got to go through and make sure everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's great because everything's okay. And sometimes it's not because there's a lot of mistakes. Right. Right? And when you're having anywhere between three and five phone calls a week, That's a lot of transcriptions.
0: Yeah, that's a lot, Graham.
1: Jesus. Um, And in the last, not last week, but the week before, there was a lot of transcription to do. Mm -hmm. A lot of interview, a lot of transcription. And the end of this week and the start of next week are, again, I'm talking to, like, I'm literally Thursday, Friday, no, not Thursday, Friday, Monday, and Tuesday, I have interviews all of that. Wow. Um, Every morning, first thing in the morning as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and that's a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But what has also made me realize is, I do need some time to not think about this shit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what's happened is, like, I'm going to bed reading the shit that I have to talk about the next morning. Right. But mm-hmm. then I'm getting up and I'm talking about it. Mm-hmm. And that's too much. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It is. I'm. I'm realized that, like, you know, the people I'm talking to, I like. You know what I mean? Like, I'm right. enjoying the conversations, but I'm also resenting the conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, I just fucking don't want to have this conversation right now, man. Yeah. Like, I just don't. You know, your comic's great. I don't want to talk about it.
0: (laughs) Well, I do think that there is a case to be made for uh, having someone else do those transcriptions. Because I... I've, I've, but interv- it's
1: not just the transcriptions. It's literally at this point in the talking.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure. Um, but how can it not bleed in? Like the talking is being squeezed on both sides by the, literally the more words that you say in this conversation, the more work that you're creating for yourself. And add on to that, the amount of prep work that you have to do to be able to have that talk with that person. You know, like it's sort of we, it's kind of like what we have here. Except like worse, you know, because on the one hand, you and I, I, I love talking to you. I'm always going to want to. In fact, I was amazing how much I missed talking to you during our skip week. And it was hard not to like randomly just start like dming you on twitter being like so how you doing i i think i want to complain about my house are you around you know no, no, no
1: that what's really funny is like this week was weirdly busy um not even necessarily work busy although it was work busy but like just life busy yeah um to the point where like you and i were dming on i think it was Wednesday or Thursday. Yes, I like I felt guilty because I couldn't respond straight away. I was like, "Shit,
0: I will get the checks. I want to hear this." Exactly, exactly. <laughs> which I wasn't worried about. No, I know how. Believe me, a I know how busy you are, but, but busy you are too. Yeah. Well, yeah, but how do I put it? it? It's it it is a little bit in different ways. Oh, well, all of which is to say, there are times, as you know, where we'll be talking and we hit like. Over two and a half hours, and we're like, Jesus, what are we doing to ourselves? Because it's just, it's literally creating more work. It's more stuff that we're going to have to edit and clean up. And like yeah, yeah. those few times, I, you as editor, will fi- f- will finish up a Baxter building, and it's like over three hours, and you're like, Fuck you, just fuck you. This is a nightmare. Fuck you, and and so I can only imagine how much that is distilled down talking to people. That you may whose work you might like or respect or people you might know vaguely, but like i wouldn't I wouldn't do this for just anyone, well, yeah, you know? yeah, but also there's there's that there definitely is and
1: and you know I don't include the podcast when I'm talking about like you know no one's talking about this stuff because right. it's you, right, so I mean, like you're my best friend and and like i can I can just like you and I can' just go for hours, yes right? yeah, 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 but also importantly. Interviews for me are more focused. No shit, says everyone who ever listens to a podcast. But also <laughs> have a very particular purpose that yes. I don't think you can stay off of. Oh, absolutely. for example, um, like sometimes that bleeds over. So, like Steve Orlando interview that went up at THR this week. Mm, mm-hmm. um, the what's in that interview
2: mm-hmm.
1: is just shy of thirty minutes of conversation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? It ended it down. Like he and I both like went through it. Mm -hmm. i'm like we're like let's just take this out because it was very like it was forty eight thousand word 4800 word uh interview in the end but that's after i was taking shit out right Uh, jesus but also like we talked for more than 45 minutes Mm. because there's just like lots of shit that we didn't include right like we didn't even start including if that makes sense like like, like, when i was transcribing i was like they don't need to hear about us talking about this yes completely um but the idea of like you know, can you imagine someone transcribing this? Can you imagine someone transcribing this show? Oh, that would yeah. be insane. No. And also,
0: it would take forever because realistically, if we talk for 2 hours, the transcription could take 5. Oh. At least I you know? mean, you know, honestly in my job where we're asked to transcribe things all the time, I basically give them the rule of thumb which is if you have someone who's a fast typist, one minute of transcription is going to take. I mean, one minute of someone dictating or talking is going to take between three to five minutes to transcribe. If the right? person's yeah. really and, fast, and it's
1: so, free. yeah, and so that's yeah. that's the problem, right? right. Mm-hmm. So, like, someone transcribing this would be impossible. But no, it's it's the like I do have the. It's not burning out because I've I've burnt out on my job before, and I know this isn't that. It's yeah. it's the. Just the moment of like, I just want fucking a night off.
0: You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I. But just because, like, uh, in all seriousness, uh, the interview I'm doing on Monday morning Mm -hmm. uh, is going to be super fun. I know it is. The interview I'm doing on Tuesday morning is for a project that I I, I still haven't read. I'm going to read it tomorrow. Um, But it's something I'm so excited about. Mm -hmm. Something I. I just feel passionately about Mm -hmm. uh, getting the word out for. Mm -hmm. And yet in both cases, I'm like, I wish I didn't have to do this interview, though. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah, I get it. Again, you say it's not burnout, but I do think that if it's not burnout, it's a certain degree of, you know, you're you're it. It's kind of wanting to join... Um want to find boundaries, I guess, yeah, exactly. I was going exactly for that word boundaries i was you it 's like you want boundaries, you kind of want to have a life, which is kind of this stage that you know that people talk about it 's one of the reasons why that why although the tech companies talk about the importance of hiring youth you know because of their visionary way of thinking outside the dot box and blah 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 it's because they're the only ones who are willing to work around the clock in their 20s in part because they're young enough that they can without it like yes wearing on their bodies
1: you're not just going to collapse yeah Yeah. you're not going to hit the wall
0: yeah but like you
1: know the last time i recorded like we were both talking about being sick Mm mm-hmm I wholeheartedly think that one of the reasons I was so sick was that I just worked myself into it
0: yeah, I think so too. I absolutely think so too. um you know I mean work being a, a thing of you know you also had a lot of responsibilities outside of your work area such that you sure. weren't you know you weren't you 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 weren't letting your engine idle. You know, yes, so, yes, which which is important. I, oh, so much so, and I feel like as you get older, it gets it gets more and more important. Like the things that that Edie and I do, and a part of this is you know we've been married for like a long time, but there are like I'm like I want to go for a walk in the woods with my wife. You know, I want to hike along this new beach. And admittedly, we moved to a place where that's a big chunk of the experience in the draw. So we're doing it. We're trying to do it a lot. But there's kind of that thing of when I look back on my youth where I consumed stuff voluminously, I wonder how much of that was also like i didn't have much else going on, and i you know I think there was a case to be made that i wasn't a very well rounded person you know
1: yeah and i and I think also like that's a thing in youth as well oh like absolutely. I occasionally think about yeah. you know uh of all things like I think back to being in art school mm-hmm. and how like I was just endlessly and effortlessly productive. Mm, like mm. everything was fodder for whatever i was working on at the time right. and i would be working on stuff all the time right, right. And if i wasn't working with stuff working on st- stuff i would be socializing
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that would be it like that was my life right and again i think it's just what happens because you, a you can like you physically can do that to yourself mm-hmm. but also you are relatively limited
0: mm-hmm. right mm-hmm.
1: there is no of a better of putting it there's no you beyond that
0: right yeah no, which is, which is part of the, part of the charm of youth. Um, but it is as you get older and you don't have that, or there are some very well-adjusted people who move beyond that relatively early on. You do it for me anyway. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm not, I don't, I don't totally want to give too much to this. Um Uh, On a related note, one of the things that I have to admit, I don't recall if I mentioned it on the podcast or not, but I uh, downloaded, uh, bought and purchased Rockstar Games' Bully for the iPad. And Mm -hmm. Bully was one of the last games that I played on my PlayStation 2, like the PS3 came out shortly thereafter, and I decided not to chase that high um and and for those people i don't know if it ever got covered in the podcast there was the absolutely chilling um time that i almost the one time i was able to to get a playstation 3 And play PlayStation and play the Metal Gear Solid game. I'd been waiting a year and a half to play. I almost killed Graham's cat in the process of doing so. So that that was was before the podcast. That that was that was way before. No, exactly. That's why I'm like I don't know if I ever told that story after the fact. Yeah, I don't. Also,
1: yeah. Can we can we like go back to you didn't actually kill the cat. The cat was sick. Yes, like no, the, you cat, it the cat. Like you, I, no, you make no, it sound like you did something know, to the cat. I did. No, the cat was sick. Is no, all. And yeah. Jeff was looking after the cat.
0: I was looking after the cat, and it was an amazing circumstance because I'm like the McMillan's cat. The cat basically uh, had cancer. Yeah, and
1: uh, really started to show symptoms while Jeff was was
0: literally City, uh, when Graham left town yeah, yeah. and they're like yeah. you guys just watch everything will be fine if you see anything you know and so it went from like uh your cat is god what what was your cat's name luna luna thank you i'm like ah i kept this is the saddest thing i literally like Smokey. like why i mean it was a black cat but it was luna lovely cat i She was a sweetheart, you know, RIP and all that. I really did like her. Even though she proceeded to more or less die on me and ruin all my video game playing time, because I'm like literally sitting down and being like, be like...
1: also to, to, to complete the loop in this cat story for a second, yes. cat died, like lived for like another six years. Yes, I. Oh
0: yeah, see that's it. People what's, should what's know was given
1: six months to live. We should say like, yes. it, like came back, took the cat to the vet. Yep. cat was given like six months to live yeah. and lived for another six years.
0: We've so been... Jeff did not kill a cat. Whatnot. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I do appreciate how much you're like people. Jeff did not kill my cat. I don't want you to think that Jeff killed my cat. Whereas, I, I, Graham, you've just never, I, you've never had that moment because you don't play video games where you're like, oh boy, I get to play this video game. And you're sitting down and you're going to play it and you're very excited and you're aware you only have a limited amount of time to play this fucking game. And you look over and there's another living being that is suffering and lying under a chair on its side. And you're like, I... Is it... Is that... I mean, I did do my due diligence. I remember sending you guys a series of increasingly yeah increasingly worried worried and horrified yeah. sounding emails um but uh but oh that was that scarred me anyway so bully I downloaded it I have also since downloaded much against the rules of common sense uh rockstar games' grand theft auto san andreas and uh playing both of those games which are open sandbox games which i've played before i'm not even really sure where my point was on this a it's cut into my reading in a way where i'm like stop being an idiot stop playing this video game and like uh you know do things read things but the other thing is part of why i realized a i downloaded these two games and b the experience that i missed and wanted which is crazy is in a way is that the rockstar rockstar really made their their uh, considerable billions off of the grand theft auto and the resulting open sandbox game deal that they explored Which is to say, particularly in San Andreas, uh, your ability to essentially stop whatever it is you're doing, just wander off and fuck around for a while, and that is an amazing draw for me. Like, I don't think that I would ever end up like in Second Life or slapping, paying money to slap on those goddamn Oculus headsets. But I am amazed how much, as I get older, I'm finding myself feeling exhausted by narrative in a way that I don't know if it's my age. The fact that I I probably consumed more popular culture than I would say most of America did in the first 20 years of the 20th century. You know, I mean put together. Like I would match my experiences there with the experiences of the majority of America pushed into one aggregate cosmic being, you know, just, and I, and I think that's as, as we've gotten to the point where people are hyper, you know, you're streaming series on Netflix where I'm kind of like, Oh, this is such a good show. I can't wait to portion it out like one or two episodes at a time. We've rewatched, uh, you mentioned, um, I'm not okay with this. I'm really looking forward to that, particularly since Edie and I have rewatched End of the Fucking World on Netflix seasons one and two, really enjoyed it. And even though it was a series we had already seen, I was still at maybe three minute after three minute episodes. I was like, okay, I just got to tap out. I got to go do something else, you know, enjoying yeah. it. But I just don't want to be hurtled along that shoot anymore. You know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't have a grand finishing up point about that. Oh
1: yeah, all all of which is to say, yes, there we go. uh, No, but I think there is something about we're we're circling a point, maybe not intentionally, Mm -hmm. but we are circling a point about feeling overwhelmed by Mm -hmm. by the amount of you know we'll shudder when I say it, but content that we're we're consuming, right right
0: and the way you know, the, yeah the, the, exactly the,
1: to the point where like we are actively aware that like we have to slow it down yeah i mean to the, i say that despite the fact that i read like a shit ton of comics uh, yes
0: yeah you really did and and i'm sure that you're you're well on your way um let me talk just a little bit about uh an invitation from a crab uh did you end up reading, take, yeah
1: it... you mentioned that
0: okay did did you end up reading it? I can't. I feel like maybe it might have been up for an Eisner during the year that you were a judge and might have read it. So I uh, thought I would check. Really?
1: Oh God, the name doesn't sound familiar, but that also doesn't mean I didn't read it. Because Jeff, talk about like feeling overwhelmed. I read, I mean, an unspeakable amount of material. Yes, for the right. So this like was- I, I, like it's, it's, to put that in context for people. Yeah. Uh, imagine a, imagine a medium sized hotel room. Mm-hmm. And then imagine that room literally full of books. Mm-hmm. and That is basically what all of us work through in order to, to get to where we were.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, so it wouldn't necessarily surprise me. This was published by uh, Denpa LLC out of Portland, Oregon in 2018. So maybe it – were you 2018 or were you 2017?
1: I was 20.
0: I did it in 2018 for 2017 books. Okay. So, yeah. So you would have missed this. But it was, it overlapped enough that I was worried. Invitation from a Crab is a book that I heard a lot about and a lot of good stuff for, and actually found it uh, at the Half Moon Bay bookstore on their graphic novel shelves. And it even ended up being half price, which was awesome. Um, it is a series of short stories. It is uh, Pampaya is the uh, writer, which is to say it's a pseudonym and Pampaya is mentioned with usually, uh, with just a they or their. Um, uh, uh, Invitation from a Crab is a series of short stories that are a little bit like very gentle. It's kind of, if you took, if you took, kafka and jim woodring but you turned it into incredibly gentle almost whimsical miyazaki like stories like there's a lot of the the main character it almost always is told almost like an autobiocomic. comic it, it except every once in a while some of them are labeled like dreams for example and uh the best stories have like a kind of complete and utter dreamlike logic to them, which again, makes me think of uh, Kafka and, um, and and dream. Yeah. Where, um, the main character will, for example, get a job working, um, on an assembly line in a power plant, breaking open coconuts. And somehow the whole story is that, you know, they have a part-time job at a power plant, Coconuts come streaming out of a machine and I use a rod to split them from two. Apparently, they can make electricity from them. And the whole story goes on to have her, again, a dreamlike situation of a power plant that is run on coconuts. And nobody really understands how. And by the end, when it's finally revealed how, it totally makes sense but in a completely whimsical and dreamlike way. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really charming. I really recommend this collection a lot for people who like, for lack of a better term, um, non-cloying whimsiness. Because I maybe you'll read it and think that it's cloying. I don't think so. One of the things that's great is Pampaya's got a very... Um, lovely illustrative style that's almost the characters are drawn in a very cartoony, almost sketch like way. So there's parts that it's uh Pompeo is referred to as a successful uh, uh, artist that is exciting indie comic fans with an individual style and unique stories. And that is, is a perfect description. It's very indie comic-y, but I think you personally, as someone who appreciates craft, would really love how Pampaya will use like tight, thin pen lines to do the characters and then broader, expressive brushwork for the backgrounds, which kind of helps add to that sort of strange kind of dreamlike. It almost feels like you're viewing everything underwater almost really gr- great stuff i wanted oh I no wanted you're to like enjoy.
1: your description of it just made me go so
0: that i'm going to read oh good yeah well, it's, it
1: sounds amazing it sounds okay.
0: absolutely amazing terrific i'll be curious it'll be great in true graham mcmillan and and manga style you'll be like jeff that was crap <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you read good whimsical people like all the people that I've been recommending to you for the last 2 years, you know. But anyway, I hope that you will like it. And if not, I am not going to say anything like that. You can totally Lester, borrow my copy, I'm, yes,
1: of Gambling I'm, Apocalypse I'm, KG. Oh God.
0: <laughs> yes, that's
1: what it, that's what I should do. Maybe next month, maybe next month I'll, I'll like just do a deep dive on weird shit that i can't quite believe exists that you've read
0: yes that would be wonderful that would be uh i'd be so delighted by that and by the same token i should absolutely do the same with some of the stuff because i did have this horrible thing of like oh shit what if i start talking about how great this is and graham is like yeah i know i told you like 14 and a half months ago you know but
1: i don't know that's i was
0: willing to take
1: And I'm glad you took it, because it actually does sound really good. (laughs) Good. I'm going to make a point of hunting it down.
0: Great, great. I'm glad. So, uh, was there anything you wanted to tell me about? I have genuinely spent the last week uh, either
1: reading Birds of Prey comics for work, Mm. or weirdly Justice League comics. Mm. Uh, But Justice League comics of the um, Justice League International era. I somehow knew that. I think I maybe said something on Tumblr.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe that's it.
1: Anyway. Or maybe I still told you on Twitter. But yeah, I've. Uh, but not like that and related stuff. So, for example, I read all of Justice League Generation Lost, the 24 issue sequel series from Brightest Day.
0: Right. Right. Um,
1: that was supposed yeah, to I,
0: continue and then didn't.
1: Yeah, right? it, yeah it, was supposed to, it literally ends with To be continues in the new monthly series coming soon, which never appeared because it is the new 52. Oof. Wow. Um, yeah, it, uh, but no, I, I've I've read I've read a chunk actually of Justice League uh, Europe and Justice League America
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, in the last week, and it holds up, which is not surprising. But what is surprising is, as someone who loved those comics back then, I mean, I was. Mm-hmm. Um, massive fan of those comics those comics kind of where my comic book identity was when they were running
2: Mm.
1: like 87 through i think it was 91 or something right um i not i remembered them totally differently but what i'm appreciating them from them now is very different from what i appreciated from them then oh interesting uh but like that's not that's not worth talking about front want
0: of really do you think I, so I, I think i would can you quickly sort of distill what the what the different essences are that you I, appreciate i am surprised now
1: how much uh how old man's comic they are mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it is very specifically like really to Matthias's sense of humor mm-hmm. like giving for like the slapstick and for very weird plotting Right. The plots are very given, Like especially if you read other Giffen, you see like the very like out of nowhere ideas or the, the there's a somewhat the like Dematis writes goofy right. and occasionally emotional.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But Giffen writes cynical. Yeah. And entirely unafraid to turn everything upside down at any minute. hmm
2: mm-hmm.
1: Um just to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And the
0: two of them are actually writing in very different frequencies, but it comes together really well. It is amazing, isn't that? Because I do feel, I remember that I haven't tried to re-enter that, but the few times that I have, or even at the time, I remember feeling like Dematius, kind of in that sort of Stan Lee way, was making making jokes that seemed to be more pointed in the telling, less Pointed in the in the in the joking ha-ha-ness of it you know it's
1: yes and no huh. i mean I, I i think you're right to an extent but i also think that dematis is very willing to go dumb
0: right yeah
1: right mm-hmm. and this really comes across when dematis steps off of justice league europe mm-hmm. and uh Jared Jacobs comes on, not mm-hmm. George Jones. Sorry, comes on. Right, and um, you know with the material that will never be reprinted. Yes, uh, yeah. But Jones, I think, is arguably closer to Giffen's sensibilities, Mm-hmm. and as a result, the book is a little bit more flat.
0: Mm, interesting, interesting.
1: Right, because Zamatis was always not writing cross purposes to Giffen at all. Zamatis always supported Giffen's plotting. Oh, yes, absolutely. But Matius was also very willing to po- talk about how dumb it is, or literally just, like, go off on a tangent. Yes. So, like, you know, the, the Justice League's flying in to fight fucking whatever, mm-hmm. like, the great man. And they're discussing, like, Russian literature. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and like, Jones didn't do that. they would be making jokes, or so they would be like, you know, wisecracking in Jones's scripts. But... It would be in support of the story still. Right. And Demani's every now and again would just wander off.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I'd be like, oh, I've got a page, but I don't need to advance the plot. Fine. They're going to fucking do like Aussie and Harriet jokes. Right. Right. You know? And that's really interesting. But again, the all the references are old mm-hmm. in Demani's writing. Yes. Yeah. Right. And there are also, ve- like, it's a very narrow level of references in mm-hmm. there
2: mm-hmm.
1: as well um but it's entirely esoteric but entirely esoteric again to Demetrius. yes and that's it right you know so you're gonna get eastern philosophy jokes you're gonna get russian literature jokes and you're gonna get old sitcom jokes
0: right old sitcom jokes in almost like a vaudeville level of right? shtick yeah
1: yes mm-hmm. um and and it's but it's very Particularly that, again. And I, I really appreciate that. I, I genuinely appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But it's, I didn't realize when I was a kid, and I was reading this, stuff. I say kids, like when I was, uh, what, 12 through 16, say? Yeah. Um, I didn't get those references. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's all, like, wacky. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's all like, ha, look at this wacky hijinks. This is crazy. Yeah. And now that I get the references, I'm like, this is really specific. This is really fucking niche.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, um, it's and very also, niche to Dematius, I think. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and it's also very, when you get the jokes, when you get the references, you realize how often Dematius is, again, writing at cross purposes to, to everything else that's going on. Mm. And occasionally commenting on what's going on. Hmm. Like in incredibly sly ways. Hmm. Um which again completely bypassed me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um so it it's it's it is a um, deeper work. I really like I'm not sure if I should say that about these comics. Because these comics were, you know, aggressively anti deep. You know, sure. every single they will make a point repeatedly of being like, We're the anti grim gritty we're the anti like meaning, we're the anti realism.
0: Right.
2: Well, and they uh,
1: are because because even when they were talking about like you know let's do the downside let's do when the masks slip and everything right it's not realistic at all
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like it's
1: it's very purposely not again Giffy and Giffin's plotting is kind of there mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. Giffen's like look they're just regular schlubs but again it they're not regular schlubs <laughs> do you know what I mean like right. they're very specifically sitcom characters who just happen to be superheroes right right
0: yeah. Yeah, I uh you know, it, it's funny. Um I, I it is not my goal consciously to to mention the absolute scalding dressing down you gave me by comparing the Avengers to the Justice League of America to, to Grant Morrison's JLA run. Uh, it it one hundred percent is, but okay. Uh <laughs> it is. But I'm really glad that you gave me such easy access to 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 that um, still just horrific levels of devastation on my part. But also, it makes me wonder, like, Justice League is a book that, I, how do I put it? I really feel that Dematius and Giffen and that legacy that they created, the way in which Morrison more or less does the quote-unquote return to greatness is essentially an eschewing of that um not and not in a negative way one of the things that's great is it's never i think addressed as far as i can remember in a very specific way or or in any way really but there is very much the the marketing around it sort of had a you know, they're back. The The idea that these are the, the you know, the A-listers and the most powerful team and et cetera, et cetera. Has, is there any other book that you can think of that really has two such incredibly successful incarnations that are also... Um, like at, at cross purposes at cross purposes
1: yeah in, uh, in first one of all title? i'm gonna say that i'm not i'm not sure morrison is res- responding to that as much as he's responding to the section the time that came between those two runs oh right which i believe you because, did mention yeah because you do book. have mm-hmm. again gerard jones actually takes over the book right yeah like i in, in the in the immediate aftermath of giffen and matthews um dan jurgens takes over for like a year right then you get Dan Vado writing. Oh, that's wow. right, Dan Vado of Slave Labor Graphics. Yeah, wrote Justice League, that's and right. then Extreme Justice, which is the thing I, I said around in January. Yeah, um, and then Jared Jones r- writes, and like we're not talking like for a small amount of time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like for maybe another five years. This is
0: five years. Um, wow,
1: no, it really is. It's it's a long time, mm-hmm. and those comics are not good. Mm-hmm. They are interesting. Mm-hmm. They are flawed in very particular ways. That looking at them uh, with uh, looking at them with an eye of of just beyond like are these good, good comics, but like you know why don't these work? Right, is, is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And what happens to Justice League fr- franchise in general during that time mm-hmm. is is really odd, but you know so specifically odd mm-hmm. that it's kind of fascinating. Um, but I think that Morrison is specifically responding to those comics and not the given to Mattias mm. to, to be fair.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: um, But at the same time, the given to Matties books are the ones, I mean, maybe justice league Detroit get away from the idea that justice league should be the biggest characters. Right. Right. right? Because Detroit clearly does, mm-hmm. but Detroit's, intentionally or otherwise it's written from a point of we are underdogs because we know we're disappointing you
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. right and so the the ghost of the other team is felt throughout the entire run yes. and i say this is, loves the detroit run oh yeah absolutely so, but then the the given to manage run comes in and they are just aggressively like well why the fuck would we need these other characters mm-hmm. um and so that's the first successful way of saying you can
0: do it as differently yes agreed Agreed, but it is so, interesting because uh, it is very different in tone. Sorry, I don't necessarily mean that Morrison's is a repudiation of that tone, but but they are very different conceptions no, but, but, of a but, Justice League like book, you, right? But you can look at yeah, no, entirely, one hundred percent. But you can
1: look at like Avengers runs as being repudiations of each other. Sure, but you, yes, but I mean, it, that's, it, yeah. is, your, mm-hmm. is your issue like two
0: massively successful runs? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that you would say, and at the risk of coming off like an utter dumbass, I think that you could look at an Avengers comic from a lot of the different Avengers eras, and the successful ones are more like each other than different. Yeah, but I mean, you
1: could could literally look to last year and be like, well, Hickman versus like Joss Whedon's X-Men. Well, Sure yeah right 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 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you know what like obedience is especially coming after the morrison like yes. you know the back to basics they're back in costumes they're back being superheroes they're back saving the world mm-hmm. and it was massively successful and then you get hickman's and he's like it's a fucking science fiction book and like everyone's having you know mutant orgies right you know and it's it's that they're they're massively different or you know Claremont and Burns' X-Men and Hickman's X-Men, sure, which kind of feels slightly more unfair because, like, there's what forty years separating them.
0: Well, yeah, there's huge amounts, but the thing that I think is great is how much Hickman's like. There, I'm sorry, there is no no more successful lineage uh, to Chris Claremont's X-Men than mutant orgies. You know what I mean? No, 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 it's true. Like,
1: you get the feeling that if Claremont had continued and not stepped off the books he might eventually have ended up writing hickman's x-men yeah yeah and somewhere it's going to be like how dare you this is only john Hickman, but it's fucking not oh like claremont loved fucking with the with the structure and the concept of x-men a lot a lot yes you know uh where, where he started with you know they're fucking in australia everyone thinks they're dead yes and you know they're invisible to machines right Wow, You know, like yeah, right. Claremont loved fucking doing that a lot. Yes, he absolutely like, did. So, yeah, like if Claremont had continued that book for another 20 years, 100 fucking percent, he would have been like, they're on Krakoa.
0: Yeah. There are separatist movements. Right. They're all fucking having orgies. Of course he would. Of, of, course. Th- of course he would. Of course he would. I mean, I remember one of those issues that of one of his x-men books that he was doing and i don't think that it was the his his glorious x-men reboot what if series but i think it was or was it i just remember storm and kalisto and someone else some other woman ending up in a hot tub and this was after kalisto had had I'm, her sure, arms ripped yeah, off and i'm had pretty tentacles. sure that's
1: just outright extreme x-men
0: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's extreme X-Men and the, it, and it is not even subtle. The idea that Storm has slept with both of the women in the hot tub,
1: you know, like it's. Yeah, that, no, that's like Claremont was not subtle about that shit at
0: all. Right, exactly. So I, again, the whole Hickman's everyone's horny on Maine is such a brilliant extrapolation of what Claremont was just kind of able to sort of you know, hint around, but would be definitely be done with.
1: Um I mean, I, I mean, think about Claremont and he was like, you know, I'm so mystique and destiny are fucking. And that's how nightcrawler came about. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. So much. Oh, uh, Claremont, God bless you. Crazy, horny kinkster. Like it is, it, it it's your century. We're just living in it. Cram. Uh, a horrifying thought
1: um, but no Yeah, I, to answer yeah. your question yes I think that, that what is surprising about Giffen and Damarius' Justice League and Morrison's Justice League is there's only a decade that separates them right right and I mean Morrison couldn't have gotten away with the return of greatness without the Giffen-Damarius thing yes but you're right they are in relatively quick succession mm-hmm. uh, you know flips of each other right
0: Right. Well it does and it sort of makes sense that it's the that the idea that Morrison is a reaction and successfully so not so much against Giffen and Dematius, but more or less their kind of their legacy gone to seed, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. You know? Yeah. So that it's it's time to come in and, and do some quality reaping. Anyway Jeff Graham. We talked about comics for two hours. It's time for us to stop
1: talking about comics and indeed stop talking about anything that's going to be recorded in this podcast.
0: That's right. That's right. Although, Graham, why did you read Vampire Tales 1 through 4? Did you have to read about Morbius or? Yes, I did because there was a fucking trailer. <sighs> Let me tell you, I th- I don't know if you remember, but I, I read Vampire Tales 1 through 4 as part of a Marvel collection and and those are not good comics i hate no, they are not. morbius there it's actually morbius written by some of my favorite creators and i still hate morbius as someone pointed out on either twitter or in one of our threads jeff must hate morbius a lot i do not like that pig-faced poser whiner I, it's, dude it's kind at of they're like it's
1: Steve Gerber writing about like a swingered vampire in the
0: 70s. How bad can it be? And the answer is actually really quite bad. Really bad. Really bad. If they leaned into it and he had been a swinger vampire, but it's the worst. It is the worst. That guy is all of Marvel's 70s worst tendencies distilled down into a deeply punchable essence. Oh, horrible. Horrible. You said deeply punchable, but you bite your hand off. Uh, punchable from a distance you know i gotta say <laughs> what's that like shooting your hand it's shooting your fist like a rocket yeah like boom like, like, like there was plenty ropes? of rocket fist guys back then yeah or like come on graham shogun warriors let's keep it era specific you know you actually had giant robots that could shoot their fists back then you know or it's, machine man I, where you're like zzz, I zzz, actually had them.
1: You're right. Yeah, that was actual. That was real. Yeah, that's They're right. The Shogun Warriors. Remember, everyone just keeps checking out the old news reels from the 70s. That's right, news reels. Everyone, you heard me. <laughs> and Shogun Warriors are just wandering across America, saving everyone's butt. They yes.
0: absolutely were, and it is great because, of course, people would point out that the Shogun Warriors are are literally a made up thing in the sense that they are three different, entirely separate Japanese giant robots that got jammed into yeah, one american like product
1: transformers.
0: oh Grimes, you just you're just i can't tell if you're like breaking my brain or breaking my heart i just can't <laughs> anyway
1: uh, there's there's the episode name <laughs> <laughs> or or like a bobby a billy gentry song i'm not quite sure oh
0: yes holy shit Bobby gentry, bobby. Bobby gentry. Shit! Yeah. I heard. I've been listening to old country western music on my drive and loving it. And I finally oh, heard shit. so good "Ode Holy to Billy Joe," shit. which is just oh, first like,
1: of all, that's amazing. Jeff, have you heard "Fancy"?
0: Yes, Fancy's fucking amazing it, too. It,
1: like, it Holy cause shit! Because people be like, Fancy, "Like, you know, it's it's campy and everything." Yeah, but the, like, in all seriousness, the arrangement
0: on that song is fucking perfection. Oh, it's perfection. And, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's a level of camp, but it is a very dark camp. Like, I mean, it's a little too on the nose. All of her fucking songs are amazingly
1: dark if you listen to them. Oh, completely. Ode
0: to Billy Joe is darker than shit, which is amazing because it's such a little toe-tapper. Have you ever heard Loretta Lynn's Fist City, which is also one of the all-time great songs? Fist City. It is fabulous. It is one of the it is the first of several songs that got Loretta Lynn banned from certain radio stations. And it is literally a Loretta Lynn writing about how if you fuck around with my husband, I will take you to Fist City.
1: Oh, my God. It's amazing. I literally looked up the lyrics right now.
0: It is the best. It is the best it's it
1: includes I mean but, but, actually okay, here's yeah. the lyrics, yes okay, and i'm just I'm, I'm picking and choosing here whatnots, but it actually goes, but the man I love when he picks up trash, he puts it in a garbage can, that's what you look like to me, what I see is a pity, you better close your face and stand of my way if you don't want to go to this city don't want to go to
0: miss city. it is a fucking awesome song, she's like, I know. My husband is the type of man who'll cat around if you give him a kitty. But if you keep coming around my man, I'm going to take you to Fist City. And I'm like, fucking Loretta Lynn, you are my hero. Because she is literally just like, I will beat the trash out of you. And it is, and it's so funny. It's such a clever song. The number of ways that she tells it, like, stay out of my way or i'll drive you to Fifth city i'm like
1: mm. that that's amazing
0: yeah uh, year,
1: like when was this two years ago yeah it must have been so two years ago at new york city comic-con mm-hmm. uh i i think i told you about this at the time like i ended up just wandering around the city by mistake yes um and like listen to music because that's what i do when i wander around cities mm-hmm. and i got obsessed with jolene by dolly parton oh not yeah. right. not the dolly parton version oh really oh that remake uh, that yeah the ruby ruby remake from mm-hmm. from just a few years ago mm-hmm. um which is like just like slows down you know quasi trip hop version of it yeah uh let's trip hop in quotation marks because it really is from only like like 10 years ago at the most mm-hmm. um but i got like obsessed with it because there's something over there that I was like, Julian is really one of the most sad songs that has ever been written.
0: Oh, yeah. There's so many songs. There's actually a song called Sam Stone by John Bryan that I heard this week that apparently the list that Rolling Stone magazine listed as like number three in the top 10 saddest songs ever written. That's like from the seventies that part of how I got to this was listening to that's how I got to Memphis by Tom T hall, which people had been talking about how great a songwriter Tom T hall is. And I, I was just for whatever reason, just a country Western averse enough that I could never get to it. But that's how I got to Memphis is like a one mix cry-in-your-beer-country-western-song one mi- one part deeply disturbing crime noir story that is fucking great. And Sam Stone, which is literally about a guy coming back as a drug addict from uh, Vietnam and ruining his life after he comes back from the war, is unbelievably grim, but brilliantly written. So, yeah. We have, I, we have gone down... A, a
1: rabbit hole here <laughs> uh, i just want to say before we stop the travel before sure. we leave the travel yeah i've told you before about my mum and the the country and western songs that she loved so much that she would just sing it to
0: her children no you never told Have me this gram. no oh
2: my god
1: okay so my mom bless her rest in peace etc could not fall asleep without listening to the radio couldn't like, mm-hmm. genuinely, could, when we were on vacation, she'd have to have a radio, or if we didn't have radio, a television in the room, and she put a towel over the television. She just had to have noise right. to fall asleep. Right. And so this would mean that she would literally, uh, when she was at home, listen to Radio 4, which is like uh, NPR. Mm-hmm. Um, and she'd listen to that every, every time she fell asleep. And that would mean that she would occasionally wake up and hear weird things. Right. So one morning, and I'm, like, relatively young. Mm-hmm. one morning she goes I heard the greatest song last mm-hmm. night and we're all like okay <laughs> what is the song and she's like it's called No Charge and we we're like No Charge right and she's like it's a Country and Western song and we were like you, well, I didn't know you like Country and Western and she's like I don't mm-hmm. I don't like Country and Western I think Country and Western is terrible but this song is is everything that I, I I've ever wanted to express to to all of you and we were like okay and she's like i can't i like i i can't explain it properly i'm just going to have to find a copy of it and and, and let you hear for yourselves holy shit i
0: and don't know this song i don't think
1: i am now going to read you the lyrics of this song jeff okay okay and you're going to understand why my mother a was very dry dry in her sense of humor <laughs> And be would sing this to us in a really bad American accent. <laughs> it really has to be said. Oh, wow. And my mom, again, did not do accents. But for this song, she mm-hmm. did an accent. Mm-hmm. My sister's little boy came in the kitchen one evening when he, she was fixing supper. And he handed her a piece of paper he'd been writing on. And after wiping her hands on an apron, she took it in her hands and read it. And this is what it said. For mowing the yard five dollars and for making up my own bed this week one dollar for going to the store fifty cents and for playing with my little brother while he went shopping twenty five cents, taking out the trash one dollar, and for getting a good report card five dollars, and for raking the yard two dollars, total owed one fourteen seventy five. <laughs> well she looked at him standing there and expecting and a thousand memories flushed through her mind, so she picked up a pen and turned the paper over, and this is what she wrote. And the next part is the chorus, which is the thing my mother would sing. You ready? Yes, I got it. Mm-hmm. For the nine months I carried you, holding you inside me, no, no charge. charge. Mm-hmm. For the nights I sat up and doctored you and prayed with you, no charge. Yeah. For the time and tears and the costs through the years, there is no charge. When you add it all up, the full cost of my love is no charge. Oh, that's And beautiful. my mother thought that was... The funniest shit yeah. she'd ever heard in her life. Mm-hmm. And so at, if any point from that point all, onwards, any of us kids would complain about anything to her, mm-hmm. anything, <laughs> she great. would just sing the chorus of that song in the worst American accent you could possibly imagine. Oh, that
0: is awesome. So who di- who sang that song? Uh...
1: Uh, According to Google, Shirley Caesar. Oh, okay. And all I'm going to say is everyone – you owe it to yourself to try and find a version of this song on YouTube because the lyrics are, are beautiful. I think you'll agree, Jeff. I think they probably brought a tear to your eye. Oh, completely. But when
0: you hear them set to music – Yeah. It's great. Country Western is great. There's a Willie Nelson song called uh, Hello Walls, which is terrific about – a guy who's been left and he's all alone in his hotel or apartment or wherever. And he's basically singing like the woman has left him and the apartment. And so he's totally personifying all of his grief as, as how it's being manifested in the architecture around him. Like, you know, the, 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 um, the windows, like, are crying so hard you'd almost think it was rain for example and it's just it's perfectly executed it's so like charming and cheesy and witty but sad that it's it's just that it's that perfect little i'm like everything where you're like i get it yeah exactly i know it's kind of and it is totally like i'm like i should have known that my one of my incarnations as I hit my cranky old man form would be a love for old country, Western music, but I've been listening to it to and from work, uh, this last week. And it has made my life like demonstrably better, demonstrably better. So yeah. What well, not
1: even fucking thoughts that the one thing you take away from this podcast is go and listen to some country on Western, yeah. but it <laughs> is. Yeah, fucking go like Bobby Gentry. Go and listen to Bobby Gentry oh, for a while. Shit. Your life will be incredibly better.
0: Yeah, yeah, Bobby Gentry shit, amazing. Fifth City. I I have a sneaking suspicion that I'm good. That we might. I wasn't planning on this uh this episode being a YouTube link episode, but um, but it probably will, especially if one of those DC Universe unscripted episodes is on YouTube. Because holy shit. <laughs> I don't think they are. I don't think any of them are on YouTube. I don't I don't know. I wouldn't think that they were except maybe a couple of those those pre the ones where they're like, yeah, maybe maybe, maybe some of like the early things or maybe yeah. like a fan that put them up. It's it's not impossible. Yeah, it's not impossible. It's not likely. <laughs> For example, the word fan uh anyway graham it we were supposed to close and that was our yeah that okay, was our shit. okay so yeah
1: this this is what i'm going to say to all of you people um show notes on this up on com. jeff's going to put in hopefully lots of youtubes including no charge i'm really hopeful like my fingers oh, are i can't wait to find up. it yeah yep um we have a Tumblr, weightwattpod.tumblr.com. We have an Instagram that I swear to God I'm going to update more than once a week. Uh, Instagram.com forward slash We have a... What else do we have? We have a Twitter account at Wait what Podcast. Jeff has a Twitter account, at LazyBassett, at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I I have a Twitter account, at Graham M, at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And I think that's it. We have a Patreon, which means Jeff is going to talk right now.
0: Hello, everyone. You guys managed to keep us um, inspired and gabbing and blabbing, even as we talk about, I don't know, the occasional exhaustion and world weariness about narrative there's got to be a great german word for that but i'm not smart enough to conjugate it unfortunately uh we're so grateful for the support through you listening to us and continuing to drop us like comments on twitter on the the comment threads the occasional email that you shoot us helps uh keep us um moving forward and there are a a fine subset of you people who also throw some of your hard-earned dosh over on patreon that literally does genuinely make this all possible as we alluded to i think we're finally through the dark night of the soul with our tech problems and i think we will be all the stronger for it going forward but Holy shit. There was a couple of weeks there where we had to make some hard choices and a lot of it, we could make those choices knowing that we had a certain amount of income that we could put aside to, um, to, to keep this viable thanks to your guys' terrific support. Uh, people on Patreon might be aware I, uh, I launched a new, uh, venture for our skip week. I don't want to say more than that, but, um... That's also to me a great example because it's something that I'd wanted to do for a long time and I'm very excited about it and hopefully I won't stumble over it considering there's only been one installment but I've already am trying to frantically plan out the next five or six that is uh that is a gift that you give us and we're super grateful to you we're also incredibly grateful to empress audrey queen of the galaxy for her continuing support of this podcast and of uh our little neck of the cosmic realm as it as it were our our branch of the world tree we thank you graham
1: really that's all we need to tell you apart from next week drog Uh, Which means I need to finish volume 12 And Jeff probably needs to read volume 12 (laughs) Yeah I I know start volume
0: 12 Son of two dicks Shit
1: Okay. Yes son of two dicks (laughs) Uh, Which uh, I I believe Is one of your favorite Dungeons and Dragons Characters I I was going
0: to say the regrettably Named Marvel Indian Superhero that only popped up In a couple of issues of Marvel two dick action Um (laughs)
1: Uh, and that was Richard Nixon and Richard Thompson, the celebrated folk singer. It was a <laughs> marriage of of uh, opposites. Uh, Gerber wrote the first couple of issues, and then Tony Isabella took it over. Yes. And honestly, kind of fucking ruined it. Let's let you know. That. You
0: say that he ruined it, but to be fair, I think that he was trying to do a service by not only tying together all of the Western Marvel superheroes. But also how many of the origins, how each of them more or less went on to to be the founding member of each of Marvel's different secret societies was, you know, admirably ambitious. Unfortunately, I'm sorry that he didn't get a chance to actually launch his all dick squadron that he was he he teased at the end of that. So. Oh he did. Just not publicly. <laughs>
1: I shouldn't laugh at that. Jesus. (laughs) This this is when I remind you once again that I live right around the corner from a a fast food place called Dick's Kitchen. That if you get takeaway from them, Uh the the paper bag literally says bag of dicks. No. Really? it does. Yeah. Shit. That's awesome. I know. I was going to say, next time you're in Portland, you're going to want to go just to get the bag. I've got like, you're like you're like i'm vegan i can't have anything you serve here exactly please Please give me a bag bag of dicks
0: yeah bag of vegan dicks um yeah which is a shame we already have a title episode because that's a a fine runner-up graham i think you were going to say something before i interrupted bye perfect oh my god